Hi. If you like the show, you can support it by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. You get cool stuff in return, and you help us, well, you know, make the show. Yeah, that's all I have to ask. Patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly uh, episode where we do Q&A. Uh, we talk about your responses to this month's games. We do a topic and we announce uh, two months in the future. It's yeah. a real grab bag. It's a real grab bag. It's a fun way to uh, to finish out the month. As we start looking at planning for the summer, we just in the uh, in the green room uh, started talking about laying some stuff out. That'll be fun, but mm-hmm. don't get too concerned about the future because right now we have uh, we have Q and A to it's do. The present, yeah. Don't live in the future. Contemporize, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is uh, summer. I'm having allergies. Ooh, it's nice. Now warm outside, and uh-huh. uh, going outside makes me feel like I'm going to die. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I, I mowed my lawn yesterday and came, came came indoors. Most of my allergies are ragweed, and that comes a little a little bit uh, into the summer, which is uh, mm. which is okay. My tree pollen allergy is not as bad as it has been before, uh, but mm. uh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's just one of those things you deal with. Allergies change over the course of your life. Yeah, I, I didn't used to have them. Mm-hmm. I developed them like five years ago. Yeah, so. Yeah, that sucks. The human immune system. Thinking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Older than Homer now. Um, <laughs> Guy, I, uh, I'll, get, I'll get started here with Guy Kelly. Okay. Uh, who who asks, uh, I've recently been playing Dragon Quest Eleven because it's basically like getting into a warm bath. I found that when I come across an area with enemies that give loads of XP, such as the metal slimes, I turn the battle settings to auto and run around in circles while the game basically plays itself until I've had my fill of grinding. As I was doing this, I realized that if there was an option to just increase my levels by a certain amount or an instant have 10,000 XP button, I wouldn't use it. Even though it's basically the same thing, the time invested running around in circles to trigger combat makes it feel like the XP is still earned rather than the game's just han- the game just handling things for me. With this in mind, it got me thinking. Have you come across any quality of life settings slash I respect your time sliders that worked particularly well with the type of game they were in or any that are uh, totally defanged the game and reduced it to an overblown PowerPoint presentation? Ooh, overblown PowerPoint presentation. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Clicker. Yeah. I'm, um, I, I'm partial to guys approach to this, honestly, like, you mm-hmm. know, if there was just the press have 10,000 XP button, that would feel like it would take it would take a lot away from it for me. Um, I also wouldn't run around and farm like that. <laughs> they they I, both feel bad to me. Yeah, like, neither of those out. Like I don't like the button because it's, you know, when they when they re released all the thirty two bit Final Fantasies on Steam and they right. have the, the cheats, mm-hmm. you know, turn off the game cheats. Right. Like I don't think that that 
Like, I like that game. I like mm-hmm. the story of that game. I'm not interested in just clicking through the combat instantly. Right. To get to it. I could I could read a synopsis or watch a YouTube of it if I was doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, so so neither option sounds good to me, but I also don't want to grind. Yeah, I want to get in the exact number of encounters I can tolerate mm-hmm. between points of interest. Yeah, and level up exactly as much as I need to be ready for whatever boss is coming down the way. So yeah, so I mean, generally, so I in terms of other quality of life uh, things that I've run into uh, that I think are are good for this. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite ones all involve travel. Yeah. Uh, if you know, it's, it's, uh, I could go back to town and sell stuff or I can just load it onto my torchlight dog yeah. or just, you know, teleport back mm-hmm. or sell at the bonfire. Yes. Or level up at the bonfire. Uh, as far as like cheat cheats go, because I would consider, uh, cheats and console command stuff to be, uh, somewhat part of this, right? Because mm-hmm. they can accomplish a lot of the same defanging. Um, I think it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Like it, it would be really hard for me to think of playing the Sims. If I was just like in a real, I want to design a cool house mode. Like, yes, there is a way to play the actual life game and get enough money. But like, what if I don't want to do that? What if I just want to build a cool house? Then I get the money. Don't, don't means test my video game fun. Please don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In, yeah. uh, in terms of ones that I feel like they've kind of ruined it, uh, it, I think that guy and or, you know, we talked about it already. Like, I don't have any interest in doing that, but it's not because I enjoy running around fighting metal slimes. It's mm-hmm. just because, you know, my least favorite quality of life things uh, tend to be really revealing. Like they get rid of the game. Yeah. And to me, that doesn't make me dislike that quality of life feature. It usually makes me like the game less. It makes me notice the problems that the quality of life feature is trying to solve. Yes. It really you know, makes them it, stand out in relief. Yeah. So, yeah, huge bummer. Yeah. To me personally. Yeah. Uh, Julia writes, uh, is there a never made sequel or canceled project you think about every now and then and wish that it had actually come out? Uh, Silent um, Hills aside, yeah, uh, the uh, the arcane uh, Ravenholm game. Mm, yeah, when were they working that on that? Rad. Uh, yeah, working on the the uh, the Half Life spinoff. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you said you said Ravenholm. For some reason, I th- I heard uh, Ravenloft, and I was like, that would also oh, be that good. would be pretty cool. Yeah, boy. Yeah, breaking into That'd the keep really of Lord rad. Soth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every and you go through different realms. They have like different physics and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Ooh, level of the carnival, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I just pitched something that's you know we just together we just pitched the best game of all time. So <laughs> we did. We'll pack it up. Oh, the longer you stay in the carnival, the more the like the the more you get mutated and change depending mm-hmm. on the way that you play. Yeah. You slowly become a strong man. Yeah. <laughs> Your strength keeps going up and. <laughs> As you're, there's 18, 1801, 1802, 1803. Your mustache gets increasingly handlebarred. Oh, your, your, your mustache gets muscles. It does little flexes. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I still occasionally think about StarCraft Ghost, honestly. Hmm. Uh, that'd be the, that, that, I think that would have been fun. Uh, a non-strategy StarCraft game, like set in that world, but with those uh, 
with with, with those races and technologies and stuff technologies and stuff would have been cool i think you know what uh what i played that was similar to that there's a, a command and conquer for shooter first oh shit shooter. command and conquer uh tiberium or something like that renegade renegade there we go yeah i think is what it's called mm-hmm um, yeah, I played that and it's really interesting because it does look, you know, you're still going through command and conquer ass bases and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it as a shooter. No. So nice. Yeah. Uh, Ludicud, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, says, let's say you have an unlimited budget for a game project. Well, this is asked and answered, uh, in the previous <laughs> question. Uh, what would you focus on? Any ideas that you haven't seen explored in games that you want to realize? One thing I can think of is a game that starts out as a completely normal action game that progressively gets weirder and more surreal. Maybe the stuff just showing up in the background while the rest of the game doesn't acknowledge it. Mm, make yourself a cursed game. Yeah, like an e-version. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, I'm pr- I'm pretty attached to the arcane-esque Ravenol game. Or Ravenloft yeah, I mean, yeah, game. Yeah, Raven, Ravenloft, thank you. Yeah. The, the, um, that would be really good. Um. You know, I think I, I've talked about uh, before, I, I also really want X-Men Tactics. Yeah. Um, but that's not an idea that hasn't been explored in games. Like, that's mm-hmm. a game, you know. Uh, Ravenloft as a concept has not really been explored in games. <laughs> Excuse um, me, Iron and Blood or whatever. Well, yeah, Iron and Blood. And uh, Strahd's Revenge or whatever. There's a uh, yeah. first-person one that's... But um, I would also... I've, I've said this before. This is my canonical answer for this, is that I would like to have a... Uh, a game that is simulates being in a band, but more inclusively. Mm-hmm. So not just like band sim where you just like manage the band, but also gamify the process of songwriting mm-hmm. um, either through like, you know, Lego parts that you put together mm-hmm. um, or uh, something like that. And kind of does every element of that. Yeah. You know, so uh, being in a band is very game like, mm-hmm. and I think it would be really fun managing bandmate relationships you know yeah. stuff like that yeah you know and, and do it in a in a in a real way like i don't want to just have like social links you you build up mm. you know i don't want to just fill up meters like persona like i want to you know have trade-offs like you can get this guy to drum for your band but mm-hmm. he's you know way 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 into ayahuasca <laughs> you know and it's like well it just means he doesn't show up for some shit Mm-hmm. You know, and when he does, sometimes it's horrible. Yeah. Um, but he's a really good drummer. Like you're doing those kind of trade-offs, mm-hmm. you know, not just you ask somebody about their dead parents enough times that they like you. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have an answer for this off of the top of my head. So I'm going to say a beard of bees. Yeah. I've not seen that. Yeah. Would you be the beard? Would you be the bees? Would you be the man with the beard? Would you be the bees with the man? Yeah, a beard of Buck Bumbles. I'm to get a Buck Bumble beard. Oh shit! There's a bunch of red winged blackbirds in my backyard, dude, and a squirrel. Hey, oh, oh wow! Make yourself a red winged blackbird beard. Ooh. <laughs> 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 just, you just be, like remove them and and show exposed jaw. Be be like the cover of Shearwater's Rook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah except dead. <laughs> uh james says there's a lot of hubbub going around about elden ring what with the leaked trailer uh recently what are you looking forward to the most about it if you could pick one flaw from previous mainline souls titles in the past what would you fix um i have thought so little about elden ring i'm not going to lie to you i just have i've put it in a fridge and not like in a fridge that i have access to but like a fridge at the back of the garage with some junk piled on it yeah 
Yeah, the, the 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 garage fridge that always ends up with venison in it for some reason. <laughs> it just grows venison spontaneously. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> you know, venison and 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 salmon, like yeah. never any conventional meats. Uh huh. Just uh, I I don't. Yeah, I have not been thinking about Elden Ring. I um, the speculation around uh, from software stuff is annoying to me. Yeah. Because it all changes and we don't know anything. Yeah. So there's nothing I'm most looking forward to it about it because we don't know anything about it. Like, I'm interested. I mm-hmm. think it'll be cool. Yeah. But we just don't don't know anything. If I'm if I'm wish casting, um, I want RPG elements back to Baby. for them to be really serious. Yeah. Um, because you know, as those games win, they de-emphasize those. Um, I want it to have stats and have stats matter. Agreed. Um, I want uh, them to head the other way from the difficulty, uh, difficulty fuck. Yeah. I would like them to add a little bit more kind of variety and texture, uh, to the bosses. Yes. Like not just, you know, duels with more complicated movesets, mm-hmm. but give us weird demon souls set piece stuff. Yeah. You know, the, uh, a modern, I would like a from game that has the courage to make a storm King in it. Yes. Which is something I've never, like, other than the first time, I've never not beat that on the first try. Mm-hmm. But in terms of presentation and and what's actually happening, it's one of the coolest things that's ever been in games. Yep. God, I can't so. wait to talk about that on Bonfire Side Chat, the new one. It's way good. It's so good. Uh, it's so incredible. The rain stops when he goes over you. Mm-hmm. He blocks the rain. <laughs> oh, man. Um mm. Jason asks, uh, in a bizarre Brewster's Million situation, Cole is given a blank check by an eccentric billionaire under one condition. He must use it to make a free-to-play mobile gotcha game or MMO that Gary would willingly play. Uh, what does this project proposal for this hypothetical game look like? Note, you are allowed to tie in other IP. Oh, um, make it a, uh, uh, make like a functional X-Men MMO. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, minimize, uh, minimize grinding, minimize farming, um, de-emphasize, um, group play, like necessary group play. Um, yeah. And make it so that, I mean, it's a Brewster's million situation, so I have to, I have to spend the money and it doesn't matter if I, if I gain any money back. In fact, it's bad if I, if I gain any Mm. money back. So like get rid of any of the hooks that are like, okay, and subscribe to this for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. You just get 10 billion X gems mm-hmm. every day for doing nothing. Right. And unlocking all the characters costs like 10 X gems. Mm-hmm. You know, and you yeah. end up with your, your Brewster's X gems kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that'd probably be it. Yeah. Yeah, just make it make it as close to a single player game as possible. Yeah, make it just, like that's the trick to, for an MMO <laughs> or gotcha game. And I thought about like, oh, you could do like a mobile gotcha, like the, like the Fire Emblem, uh, uh, mobile game i never played that but I, I i think that had some tactical stuff built into it mm-hmm. but then what i would do is just de-emphasize the gotcha and emphasize the the, the tactical so yeah you know basically yeah. basically it would be like trying to give a medicine to a cat or a dog i would, would have wrap to it in descri- the cheese yes yeah yeah <laughs> and i would eat it in the cheese yes and the cheese would be X-Men tactics. I would also like in that scenario, give me a really robust character creator mm-hmm. so I can fulfill my dreams of like coming up with an X-Man that's joining the X-Men. Yeah. That would, that would do it. No, not, not have like a, me. like a, like a bad one made for you by the game designer, like an X-Men destiny yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 I don't want, I don't want the three idiots. Nope. To choose from. No. Yeah. Um, gear asks, 
Uh, I enjoy the Assassin's Creed games mostly as virtual tourism. I got a good laugh at Assassin's Creed Valhalla's portrayal of my hometown of Bergen. Uh, Bergen, Norway, as a polar bear-infested land of eternal winter. <laughs> but they still kind of capture the feeling of what it would look like more than a century ago. Are there any games you think nails their depiction of a real place or completely bungles it? My favorite is the faithful reenactment of uh, Kubakiku in the Yakuza games. I may have mispronounced that wrong. Or mispronounced it correctly, but pronounced it wrong. Uh, <laughs> that had me the feeling I was playing the games when I went there myself. I, I I have wow. thought I, it would be cool to go to the district that Yakuza, uh, the Kabakicho. Um, mm-hmm. that that would be fun to go there. Uh, having spent so much time in that in that place, um, this is hard because I have never really spent a lot of time in places that video games want to emulate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so this is the, the like this the, this is tough and i'm sure i'm sure gear uh probably felt that way about Bergen norway uh like oh no yeah. game will do this and then uh, until assassin's creed uh kind of did it so like i really like the um um like depictions of new york in the spider-man game yeah that's a really good one yeah fallout 3 looks a lot like washington mm-hmm. uh, like the subways have the same kind of ceilings and stuff yeah you know, that, that did a good job. And then uh, Bad Job, nothing in Shadowrun has ever presented Seattle as seeming like Seattle. Like, mm-hmm. Seattle is like San Francisco in terms of hilliness. Yeah. Um, and it, it's all the, like, a lot of hills that go down to uh, the, the wharf down there, this little sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, very rare that Shadowrun does anything with that. Right. Like, they just make it look like like a tech noir city. Yeah. Um. There's there's a bad example, but a good example, I would say, like Fallout three and four, mm-hmm. do a good job of that. Yeah. Um. Oh. Let's see here. Greg writes. We all have our comfort things: food, music, TV shows, and movies. Uh, what are some of your comfort games? For me, I enjoy going back to some of my favorite NES games like Mega Man, Contra, and Super Mario. Also, Stardew Valley and my time at Porsche are very relaxing games to play. Um, and then this is similar to a question that uh, Marcus asked, which is, which games feel like a warm hug to you? I will be honest with you. If I am looking for a way to spend 20 minutes and I don't feel like learning something new, I will just open up uh, Super Mario World on the Nintendo Online on my Switch. Yeah, I, I've been poking at a play of that for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, in a similar thing, I like just do a couple exits. Mm hmm you know, uh, for fun. And then now that there's new Isaac content, I've been just having Isaac on in the background yeah. while I have videos on in the background or like watching, uh, venture brothers commentaries or doing other work. Yeah. 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 So just Isaac. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, dark souls one always feels like that to me. Mm-hmm. I've had, a uh, I have another randomizer playthrough in me just for fun. Oh, yeah. At some point, the thing that stopped me from starting it is like kind of want to stream it, and then I'm like, ah, but uh, like but streaming. it's going to feel like a task I don't want to do. Yeah, no, yeah. you know, it's going to feel like an obligation, and I don't want any more obligations. <laughs> I have so many. Yeah, well, you know, and like the quest of my life is to try to get as few as possible, right? <laughs> like he who dies with the least obligations yeah. gets to live in the grand mausoleum <laughs> of Nick Cage. Yep, Nolans. Hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, those are the those are my answers yeah for that yeah Yeah. super mario world big man x just stuff stuff from from being a kid yeah good answers yeah uh 
Christopher asks, uh, having recently started playing La Mulana and replaying Myst, puzzles have been on my mind. What are some of your top puzzly games, regardless of being point and click, platformers, horror, etc.? etc.? Best puzzle games. I mean, Riven. <laughs> like, that's hard to beat. My uh, my all-time favorite, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because we've been having puzzles a lot in the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've decided that my all-time favorite puzzle game is Portal. Yeah. I don't think that it ever gets better than Portal. That is how I like to think about Like, I get those aha moments, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's also, like, pleasingly tactile. Yeah. It's, like, intuitive. Like, you feel smart, but you also, it's like you knew it your whole life. Mm-hmm. How it works. I don't think it gets better than Portal. Yeah. For me. Um, yeah. It makes me wish that we didn't do Portal 1 and 2 as an episode, so we could have done Portal 1 uh-huh. and then Portal 2, like, a few years later. <laughs> uh, we didn't know what we were doing back then. Yeah. Idiots. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites, uh, the Return of the Oberdin as well. Like, mm-hmm. that is a different kind of puzzle uh, kind of deal that uh, we just found recently that I was just over the moon about. Yeah. That's a really great game. Yeah. Um, I like the Professor Layton games a lot. Mm-hmm. Even though they're what like super modal, but those are really fun for what they are. Yeah, like I just like here's some you know junior jumbles. Mm-hmm. Like here here's some just you know book of puzzles puzzles for you. Yeah, um, with kind of a cute story and relaxing music around it. And it's like <laughs> I I like self contained puzzles like that. Yeah, you know I like I like all flavors of puzzles, but I also like that kind of puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like point and click adventure games that are now kind of the classic LucasArts canon uh, kind of deal, uh, big fan of the games that Amonita makes. So Machinarium, mm-hmm. um, oh gosh, what's a uh, Botanicula, things like that. Machinarium mm-hmm. most specifically. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw out a, a shout out to something that I always forget that I uh, went real deep on. Um, big shout out to Puzzle Agent. Oh yeah. Now, those games were cool. Mm-hmm. Similar, um, uh, similar to the uh, Professor Layton, yeah. like Layton through a weird kind of like more humorous lens, yeah, a less polite lens. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick writes, "What are some of your favorite card-based video games?" Slay the Spire is very recent, uh, and the Pokemon trading card game on the Game Boy uh, was a game that I really enjoyed when I was younger. Pokemon the card or the card game is really hard to beat, actually. For me, I got to throw that on the schedule as a vanity pick at some point. It's so good. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, but I like I like all of these. Yeah. Like Slay the Spire is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monster Train, great. Yeah. Um, you know, this is just a good genre to me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm probably slightly less into it. Like Slay the Spire doesn't really engage me too terribly much. Uh, but Monster Train is uh, freaking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to play that new uh, um, the new clan. I've only poked at it a little bit. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I just got distracted by work. Um, also, a big shout out to the Microprose Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chandelier game from 1996. That game is great. And there's like a 2010 update or 2013 update that has new cards and stuff. Oh, nice. That is easy to Google. Neat. Uh, Kale asks, not sure if this is media enough for a topic, but I'm wondering what your opinions are on timed exclusives. I honestly didn't even know they were a thing until I found I wouldn't be able to buy Hitman 3 on Steam until 2022 since Epic paid for the exclusive rights for the first year. I get increasingly annoyed with them, but not like in a uh, uh, mad about consumer rights kind of way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, 
that's dumb. I, I don't like some. I don't like things that happen purely for business reasons. You know. Yeah. But like, it's so transparent. Yeah. Like, sell this to me. Mm-hmm. Why is this better for me, Gary? Yeah. You like, know? I, I kind of don't care what's best for you. You know, especially if you are sufficiently big that this isn't like life or death for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, there there was annoying. You know, when I decided to buy Hitman Three, um, it was annoying that I couldn't buy it on Steam. Mm-hmm. And then when I tried to do the like the save transfer thing, oh yeah, it just wouldn't. It wouldn't go through. And Fun. I got impatient and said, "You know what? Fuck it." I'll I just, just I, I like those levels. Yeah, yeah. Like I I I why I, I love those levels, and I'll just go if I really want to play them in the Hitman Three engine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll buy them again, yeah. or I will not. And just go back to my Hitman 2. Yeah. You know, executable or whatever. It just it bugged me mm-hmm. that it was so annoying, but just enough to where like I didn't do I I in some ways I think I'm the target market for it because I just threw up my hands and gave them money anyway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, I was just like, this sucks. Uh-huh. Like, just let me play the fucking game. And I didn't have a, a principled stance on it. I was just annoyed into compliance. Yeah. Uh with that. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't feel good. Um, I think, yeah, I think it sucks. Yeah, do not like them. I don't. I don't like it. But unless there is something that physically stops me from playing the game, uh, then it, it probably won't uh, won't stop me. For you know, I will not take a stand against you know throwing money at it and rewarding it. So I guess something that means I, I don't want it to change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it's something I think about a lot in terms of like important and unimportant things. Is like, you know talking a lot on the network about lord's prayer shit like knowing what you can control and we talk about like things being in the water and stuff <laughs> that's not the lord's prayer that's the serenity prayer <laughs> the serenity prayer yeah yeah um the uh but I, I i think a lot about like what value is there in me being angry about the stuff i can't change yeah yeah you know uh and the answer is none mm-hmm. you know i just like oh i i can be miserable yeah. you know it, it's david foster wallace like you get to choose what to think about stuff yeah yeah and like you know I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm big enough to stop Epic from doing this horse shit. Mm-hmm. I could be, you know, a, a tiny drop in the bucket of resistance of it. Mm-hmm. Or I could think about other stuff with my life and then slowly march towards the grave. Yeah. Um, you know. You know. And I'd rather not be like, I don't enjoy being mad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather not be mad while I'm doing it. So I just kind of let it go. Like, it sucks. But I'm just, I still yeah. played Hitman 3 and it was great. And now mm-hmm. I've moved on. Happiness is yeah. not a choice, but being slightly less miserable about a particular thing is, you yeah. know, anger is just... often a choice, yeah. not always. And, I'm not, and, <laughs> and boy, before anybody like yells at me, like, I'm not saying like, oh yeah, you should not be angry about like, you know, <laughs> Gr- Greg Chauvin and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. you know, I am angry about that shit too. And also have yeah. some limited de- degree of control over it. Mm-hmm. But stuff like clicking additional buttons to play Hitman three. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it's a video game. It's not police brutality. Like I can be, yeah. I can, I, I reserve the right to be irrationally angry about what the state is doing to its uh, citizens, you know? Yes. But I, I don't reserve all equal rights for all things being equal. Right. You know, like I don't, I don't want to be as, as angry about Epic exclusives and I'd rather just round down to not angry at all. Really? Mm-hmm. Like it sucks, but what are you going to do? Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know. Like <laughs> hang out. <Yeah>. Vibe. <laughs> Vibe. Play uh, <laughs> yeah. But play, play the, yeah. I mean, play the thing I want to play. Like, yeah, Hitman Three still real good. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. 
uh, I want to get to a couple of the game questions from this month, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm going to continue. Uh, Jordan writes, as AAA games become more and more disastrous as time goes on, I often see a game's downfall being uh, relegated to feature bloat. Games with perfectly good primary and secondary mechanics are constantly inflated uh, to give players a, the most bang for their buck with dozens of vestigial mini games and side-side quests. Uh, do you feel that this is becoming a defining death knell of modern gaming uh, or has it existed since the beginning and like most things uh, remain dependent on the design team of games? Uh, I don't think a death knell exists. I think that all that exists is an anti-pattern that eventually uh, will be corrected away from. Yeah. If, if it's not whatever, what death knell is shorthand for here is like instead of this specific like features creep i would you know this i would tie this into like budget yeah stuff you know we talk about like risk aversion that comes with increasing budgets and then that and having the increasing blood cost yeah you know uh in people and 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 uh in in terms of human happiness and then treating that as the only way that games can be made mm-hmm. um this is this is a, a coincidence with that you know like this happens along with that but it's not caused by it yeah you know, a lot of the times. Um, and I think in terms of like, whether this is just kind of been around and everything, it's very genre dependent. Yeah. Like it's worse now that every game is kind of an action RPG. Yes. You know? Uh, cause then, you know, once you start blending genres, it's like, you can throw in a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, to me, I think of it as more like it has gotten worse and it is dependent, but it's not a death knell other than when it is comorbid with, Every game has to cost, you know, so many billions of dollars and so many, uh, so much blood. Yeah. And families. Always the families. Yep. Families suffer first. Yeah. Well, second. <laughs> families suffer second. Yeah. Um, Uncle Gary's family feedback. <laughs> Look at all the crap on the walls. Yeah. Now I've seen everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interparty Conflict has uh, two variations of the same question. We can answer one or both if we'd like. Thank you. Uh, question one, or version one here. If you could have a tycoon slash simulator slash mama game based on any job or trade, what job or trade would you play as? And then two, if someone made a podcasting tycoon simulator mama game. I don't know what a mama game is. Cooking mama, uh, baby mama. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Is baby mama a game? Uh, you know what? Like the, 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 there, there, there is one. You know, I, I, I realized that that would be insensitive the moment that I said it. There is a mama game that is about raising a raising a kid. Like mama, uh, mama, ma, <laughs> mama, mama. That's the one that came with the baby doll that you put the Wii remote into. Um, Mother tycoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Breastfeeding tycoon. Lactation <laughs> <Lentation> tycoon. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man! I can't wait to download Doula Tycoon on my DSiWare. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, it's funny because like the Tycoon Simulator slash Mama game, I, it's mm-hmm. I I never realize like wh- which one of those will be good or interesting until somebody just kind of like make makes it, you know, mm. or even just like mm-hmm. announces it. Like there's one coming out. That I'm going to give a little bit of free, a uh, little bit of free hype to because I'm excited about it, uh, and it looks really good. But it's called definitely not fried chicken, uh, okay. which is uh, it basically has you running Pollo Hermanos uh, from Breaking Bad, okay. 
where you uh, run a fast food empire that is a front for a drug empire. Um, okay. And you have to manage both of them. Uh, that's neat. That's going to be coming out later this year. I've not played it, but like, shit, I would not have thought to ask for that, but that is a really good idea, actually. That is a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the second question is easier to answer. I don't really want a podcasting tycoon game. No. I think it would be annoying. I like the, to, For it to be a tycoon game, you would have to like... I don't know. It'd be like running Gimlet, <laughs> like which I don't want to do. Like, oh, man, manage your relationship with four different mattress companies. <laughs> it would also, it would one hundred percent be that, and then it would also be like the game version of all those articles about like everybody's getting into podcasting and making a billion dollars. This this New York socialite, yeah, you know, tried it and couldn't do it, and it's just well, because like to me, podcasting is so much about the content, which is a hard thing to. Mm-hmm. Uh, tycoonify yeah yeah content and personality um, how do you how do you gamify personality in a meaningful yeah, way very that, tricky. that is related to what people say you know yeah yeah uh in terms of what uh is a hole in the market uh for this stuff as of just you know a few years ago i would have just said thief simulator mm-hmm. um because that did a lot of work for me like yeah. i would like a better higher budget version of that yes um, where you are managing like a little crime empire, but also doing hands-on stuff when you wanted to, mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, B and E and crimes always interesting to me. I love casing a joint. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. And we recommend mm-hmm. you do them. Yeah. It's very fun. It's, <laughs> it's fun. And rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> super rewarding. Uh, Colin asks, uh, as someone who thinks of video games as a hobby, as opposed to just something I do to pass the time, I often think about my gaming quote diet, uh, and I try to make sure it is as balanced and uh, to make sure that it is balanced and interesting. Uh, I make a point to add variety to the games that I'm playing uh, and try to play a good balance of games, not just the stuff I love, but also stuff that does different, important, or interesting stuff with the medium. Seeing how you two play them for a living, what advice would you give to people who want to continue to expand their understanding uh, and critical eye toward video games? Play along with WAF, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the best uh, advice I can give. <laughs> I feel I feel like I'm actually a little worse at this now that I do this for a living. Yeah, because because so much of what I'm playing is dictated by just what's work, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not bad. I have the the best job in the world. Like I'm not complaining. I'm just yeah, saying that yeah. like I spend less time trying to be balanced because you know whatever I'm playing for work, n- even if it is super fun, necessarily is kind of feels like work, mm-hmm. and then uh, whatever I am doing off of that time. I just give myself whatever I want. Like I'm in an airport. Yeah. You know, I, I don't worry about a, a balanced diet. It's like my day job is the balanced diet. And then in my off hours, like anything that sounds good is good. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll just take it. So, uh, you know, that said, like with the stuff we do for the show, we do try to cover a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the intent. Um, and, and if I were just, uh, not a non-podcasting American, and was trying to uh, to do that, I would uh, follow um, creators such mm-hmm. as our podcast or such as like YouTubers. Um, Aaron Signal does these uh, blips episodes where he covers like five or six like interesting indie games mm. that have something interesting about them. Um, you know, I'd follow people on YouTube and Twitter and podcast and just see if anything strikes your fancy. Yeah. Um, you know, 
general deck feed advice of like you don't have to force it mm-hmm. if something just doesn't seem cool to you you don't have to play it because you feel like you should yeah you can find something that's a vegetable that sounds cool to you yes yeah that's what i recommend don't uh if yeah. you if it ever if you ever find yourself forcing it stop because that's gonna sour you on games in general probably you know yeah i know i mean and, and philosophies vary on that like every time we say that in this there's a discussion in the slack about the virtues of forcing it um just mm-hmm. for me like that has never worked yeah you know it's not what i'm put on this earth to do right yeah um yeah do you want to move on to uh other questions yeah let's do that other types <clears throat> um yeah let's uh let's move on to uh media questions here um gregory says uh i was interested to hear what you guys had to say about buffy the vampire slayer uh when you recently covered the game boy color game in a recent podcast with all due respect whoa, <laughs> i have to deg- disagree that someone who didn't watch the show then can't enjoy it now i also missed the show during its original run and ended up binging it on a streaming service about five years ago and i really enjoyed it and thought it held up very well however i can't say the same for a lot of the 70s and 80s tv shows i watched growing up are there any TV shows you did not watch when they first came out, but you've since watched and really enjoyed? And conversely, any that you tried to go back to and found them very hard to stomach in 2021? Uh, um, that, that's part- tough because usually it's it's not much more than a decade after a show launches that I've like started to watch it. So like I first watched The Wire in like 2013 or so, you yeah. know, and didn't really have an awful lot of like experience with the procedural shows that it was kind of like 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 riffing on but like saying mm-hmm. you know being you know be, 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 being a guy and saying oh i watched the wire doesn't feel like it's in the spirit of this question well this is a weird time compression that's going on where yeah. the wire still feels recent yeah you know for some reason even though it's like 15 years old mm-hmm. or what have you like uh the golden age of tv compresses together it does yeah you know, for me at least. And there, there's so much of it that I haven't watched. So like if I ever watched Mad Men, it would be this, mm-hmm. you know, even though it's not, uh, it doesn't feel old. Right. Like, like it is old. Um, I don't like my, my actual answer for this is I don't watch tons of TV, mm-hmm. you know, not a flex. It's just true. Um, so there's, uh, not a, uh, I don't have a good answer for this. Yeah. Um, for the first part of it, for going back to stuff that I used to watch, like, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing I liked as a kid stands up. <laughs> like, all the cartoons I liked as a kid were all just designed to sell me toys and are just absolute trash. Like, yeah. Formulate garbage. You know, yeah. Yeah. Formulate garbage that is like sometimes nostalgic. Like, I can watch an episode of Ninja Turtles and laugh at how ridiculous it is. Mm hmm. Uh, but I, I don't, it's hard for me to understand what I was getting out of it as a kid. Cause it wasn't that it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was that like, man, this is fucking badass. <laughs> like they just ordered a pizza. Each of them has a different and, weapon. <laughs> oh my God. And now they're getting in a car. Like, I don't know what I was thinking as a kid. I wish I could be a fly on the wall in my brain <laughs> as a 10 year old, <laughs> like watching Ninja Turtles so I could understand what emotions I was having. Mm-hmm. Cause I do not. Uh, do not understand that. Yeah. Uh, most of my TV time I spend watching old, uh, you know, by old cartoons, I mean, you know, cartoons that came out, uh, it's either like The Simpsons or around 2000, you know, mm-hmm. and for, you know, just rewatch King of the Hill and Boss Burgers just over and over in sequence for a, a decade now, probably. But um, mm-hmm. uh, something that I can't really go back to or have no desire to, I feel like I've seen enough Futurama, actually. Yeah. 
I'm probably going to get stones hucked at me for saying that. It just, that feels weird. Like I, I, I have had a ton of affection for that show. I like characters and stuff from that show, but like that feels weirdly dated, uh, now in, I'm in a huge way to me, not just in terms of solidarity, but like, I'm with you on that. It's not cause I, I love getting stoned Mm -hmm. and I want people to throw stones at me. Yeah. You know? please throw stones at me. It's because I've, I felt that even like I never went as deep on that show. Mm-hmm. It has never felt like in the same league as Simpsons or King of the Hill to me. Right. Like it's good jokey jokes, mm-hmm. but I don't like the characters as much. Um, you know, yeah, I just never quite liked it as much. Episodes feel gimmicky and also are like weirdly tied to the pop culture and like just things that were going on at the time, which is what sci-fi does. Right. You know, yeah. oftentimes it comments on contemporary things, but like, and people are going to say, oh, this doesn't count because it's like from the, you know, when they brought it back on Comedy Central, but like the episode that was just literally like, oh, there's a new phone out. It's called the iPhone and they put it in your eye. And here's our Steve's, our Steve Jobs parody, you know, yeah. and we're just going to make a bunch, a bunch of jokes about Apple users and Apple, you know, stores and stuff. And like, that's super dated. Like, why is yeah. that happening in the year 3000 or so? Like, well, and the thing is, like, more modern Simpsons uh-huh. uh, does that kind of shit, but yeah. classic Simpsons didn't. Yeah. You know, it, it does feel like it is, you know, it got a later start, mm-hmm. uh, literally, and it, it, you, I think you can kind of feel it. Yeah. You know, like, the early seasons have that growing pains section, and then by the time it hits stride, like, there are a couple of really good seasons of it, mm-hmm. uh, and then it kind of moves into that stuff quicker, you yeah. know, because it was in the water, like, moves into that kind of dated parody shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I don't know that I, that I've got like another episode one to series finale, um, watch a Futurama in me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm basically good. Yeah. Um, with that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, and to clarify the thing about Buffy, just real quick, Mm -hmm. um, part of it was like, it wasn't so much that you couldn't get into it older. It's that the, everything has kind of moved on from it. Yeah. You know, it's more that people like, I know people who are like, yeah, it just kind of ends. Then you have to read the comics. And I know a lot of stuff about Joss Whedon being a, a heel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, it's it's not like I couldn't just watch it, but it was like the comparison I would make in what I was trying to express in that episode is like my attitude towards loss now, which I didn't watch at the time. I wasn't caught up in the cultural zeitgeist. And now the tide is kind of turned against it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I couldn't watch it and enjoy it but it feels like there's less reason to because everyone has kind of moved on. Yeah. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is going to be me, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Joshua writes, here's a bit of a softball, but what cheesy or quote bad movies do you guys unironically love? Uh, Big Trouble in Little China is my all-time favorite movie because it feels like a warm blanket, uh, and I can literally watch it anytime I want to feel better. It's cheesy, the characters are charming, and no one, even the villains, takes themselves very seriously. Do either of you have a go-to comfort movie? Um, yeah, tons. Mm-hmm. Pee-wee's Big uh, Adventure, yeah, man. Like I, yeah, I consider that to be a good. good. I, I consider that a good movie. That's not like cheesy, but it's a comfort movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. Like I watched Beetlejuice uh, on Halloween this year. Mm. Beetlejuice is great. Wonderful. I'll watch that anytime. Yeah. Um, those aren't considered bad, but like cheesy, mm-hmm. you know, um, in terms of what's like considered bad. Like I love Cabin Boy. 
Oh, that yeah. before. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone in that. Like lots of people love Cabin Boy, but I love Cabin Boy. Yeah. Um, that's a um, movie. I uh, go to bat for Tommy Boy. Just '90s mm-hmm. movies with boys in the in the, in the name. Huge Any nostalgic boys. value. I think Chris Farley is a Danny fucking. <laughs> Chris Farley is an unparalleled comedic genius. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what movie I like. Dirty Work. <laughs> Oh, interesting. I, I watched Dirty Work during my like summer of Norm Macdonald before I saw him live. Oh yeah, and there there are some like good jokes in that. But he's weird. He's he's a weird actor. Yeah, he really uh, is. He, he doesn't really know how to be an actor. Nope. Uh, you know, oh my at, god! At his peak, there, one, there are prostitutes in all these car trucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At his at his peak, one of the funniest people ever to be. But uh-huh. uh, boy. <laughs> it's a weird fucking movie. It is. Um, yeah, I, there, there are tons of tons of stuff like that. Like I uh-huh. love uh, uh, any of the eighties um, or early nineties Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies. Yeah, are like that for me. Like if I still watch broadcast TV, I can't imagine not stopping and just finishing Total Recall if it popped on. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Like I, Total Recall is awesome. Mm-hmm. Running Man, Terminator Two. Those are all very good. Yeah, to me. And for like uh, cheesy stuff. I don't know. We we will always go to bat for Stuart Gordon on this network. So yeah, yeah, which is cheesy as hell, but also like rad as hell. Yeah, you know, so lots of stuff like that. And then you know, but bad Cabin Boy is always my answer because mm-hmm. Tom- you know people didn't like that for some reason. Yeah, Tommy Boy, Tommy Boy yeah. for me. Was Tommy Boy considered bad? Yeah, it was just kind of considered to be a mediocre road comedy. Mm. Yeah, just it would it just it did it did not get a good. Uh, it, like it, it got a bad critical reception and like it was considered to be so low that like Rob Lowe didn't want his name on it. So even though he is <laughs> the villain in the, in that, this is not Rob Lowe yeah. in his height either. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was just about to say. Like this is, yeah. this is Wayne's world, Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so even though he's the villain, he's uncredited. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's very funny. Um, I also, for a second, when you said Rob Lowe, my brain inserted Rob Schneider. Ooh. And it sounded like you were saying it was so bad that Rob Schneider didn't want his name on it. And I was like, <laughs> dissociated for Rob, a second. <laughs> Rob Schneider of the hot chick? Yeah, he's just like, I can't do this, man. <laughs> like, um, Bo asks, uh, I contribute and work as an editor at my university's cultural criticism journal, and a sizable portion of what we consider when selecting papers for publication is both the technical literacy of our non-academic audience, as well as the niche interest of some authors write on that may alienate an unengaged readership with due to, uh, with due to reader unfamiliarity. Uh, doubly difficult when you're selecting for a bilingual student body. Hmm. As critics yourselves... How do you balance the tightrope between what you feel you can reasonably cover and in what scholastic degree as far as utilizing critical terminology with or without citation and further expounding without fear of losing some listeners uh, to incomprehension or misunderstanding? Um, it hasn't come up. No. I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, you have us confused with the game studies, buddies. Yeah. Um, um, just, the, we occasionally get questions that ask about the that that imply that we have a uh, a certain amount of academic uh, or scholastic rigor um, mm-hmm. that we absolutely absolutely do not have. Nothing. I'm annoyed at it. It's actually kind of flattering that somebody thinks that it, we're, we we are serious. That we are serious men. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh but uh but but yeah this uh kind of kind of doesn't apply and i'm not necessarily that worried about alienating people my guide is 
just kind of always and generally i don't know like what i understand this if i listen to it um yeah you, you know yeah it's good yeah it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a gut thing and as far as like academic terminology you know it's not like we make up every one of our terms of art that we use we often borrow um and you know even just like repurpose you know a simpsons mm-hmm. reference to describe a particular phenomenon it's often just in comparison to another work uh, is what it is mm-hmm. and you know if something is obscure enough you know we often explain the reference so that we can kind of bring i think each other along more than more more than anything because like i think that we both try to keep each other honest when it comes to you know yes making sure that what we say makes sense right yeah yeah we i mean we are uh flying by gut but we both keep a, at least a corner of our eye on the fact that somebody will listen to this yeah um the uh and I, this is not, I'm not trying to like, oh, we're, we're just dumb idiots. Like, I think that we're good critics and smart, but a mm-hmm. lot of it, it comes from kind of instinctual rather than theory. It's not formal. And yeah, yeah like we're, we're, you know, we're middle brow critics. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm, I'm happy to live in that sphere. Yeah. Um, you know, the, we, the world already has a game studies buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, let those guys be the game studies buddies. I yeah. don't want to read those books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I, and it's, uh, so we, we don't, uh, don't think about balancing this too much. Yeah. Um, not to give an unsatisfying answer. It's just, just true. Just true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one's a quick one. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to do Jared real quick before we move on? Uh, Jared writes, uh, I recently listened to the Mega Man X revisit episode, uh, an excellent episode. You mentioned doing a couple of other revisits, specifically bloodlines and super Mario world. Uh, have you two thought more about this? Uh, it makes sense not to redo them uh, with so many games out there and the boom of patron demands. Uh, just curious to hear a little inside scoop on this. Um, I would love to. It's just hard to justify because of those things you mentioned. Yeah. Like patron demands and the fact that there's a lot of uh, games. My dance card is very there. full. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to do it. Yeah. So if we ever get to that point where it just doesn't feel like... And there is unlimited stuff to cover and more mm-hmm. stuff comes out, but if it ever feels like we could fit it into the schedule, yeah, like I would, I would like to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in terms of other stuff that like, it's really hard to think of stuff from the first couple of years that I, I don't think would benefit from a revisit. Yeah. Like there's, there's stuff that I don't, I'm not like excited to revisit, <laughs> you know, but like, I, I would be really interested to see what like a zombies at my neighbor's episode looked like now. Same. You know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you know, the, the, the inside scoop on that is always that like, it would be fun to start a second podcast. That's like WAF classics. If we didn't already do so all the podcasts we do. Yeah. You know, and, and in terms of like thinking, I have definitely thought before, like, oh, would it be smarter either strategically or in terms of happiness to jettison a bunch of the shows on the network and just concentrate, mm-hmm. you know, cause other people do a show yeah. you know, a lot of the times and we, and we, didn't we had a lot of stuff we wanted to do and we didn't know how to add value to the patreon other than adding new shows mm-hmm. for a long time and uh you know spare time was a different value proposition etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um you know and the answer that what i think about that is like maybe someday but right now i really like that there's space for you know agape in the the network because that has a small and dedicated audience of weirdos and mm-hmm. i enjoy doing it yeah you know yeah. even if it is a time cost mm-hmm yeah, uh, you you you've uh, summarized my thoughts as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple life questions. Yeah. 
here. Uh, I'm going to actually skip one and go to the second one here. Okay. Um, Holland says, what would you consider a more grievous assault against you? Uh, a, someone writing a globally successful fiction series, think Harry Potter level, in which they name the most heinous, universally hated character after you. Or B, someone creating, uh, paying for a production and resultant ecological blowback, an NFT of a screenshot of every social media post you make on any platform, business, or recreational for the rest of your life. Uh, B. B, yeah. Like, I could be the, the villain. I could be a Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that'd be fine. The most annoying, the most annoying part of that would be SEO. But like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could handle you know girls with glasses throwing buckets of blood on me if they saw me in public. You might you might learn to like it, maybe a little too much. Yeah, yeah free blood. <laughs> um, you know, and the, 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 then the difference between those two things is one of those just puts the burden on me, and yeah. the other one puts the burden on the environment. And yeah. Uh, Kind of, kind of ontological reality, like an NFT is a crime against the concept of being. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I have, I have not gotten less confused, frustrated, and angry about NFTs since I learned about them. Usually, my arc is, you know, kind of there's a there's a peak uh, once once I've internalized mm-hmm. a concept, and the longer it goes on, like you know, like no oh, tenacious D's selling NFTs. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are yeah. what are you buying? What are they selling? The, the and the answer is nothing. It's yeah. a link that nobody can control. Yeah. It's uh, it's really really dumb. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I just it's it's bad mm-hmm. for the environment. It's bad for art. Uh, and you I know. I would feel terrible um, if somebody thought you know okay so they create uh, uh, an NFT of a screenshot of everything that I do. I feel terrible if somebody spent money on something that like was derived from a thing that I made and they thought the money was going to me, but it went to some asshole. Sure. Not like well, because I want the be money like to a big go to... investment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it would burn down a square acre of the rainforest in order to like save, you know, took a dump, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> like, not that that's why I tweet, but just right, like, you know, right. nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, I'm mad about Yoko Taro. And then somebody <laughs> yeah. pays tons of money for that. And also, you yeah. know, none of that sounds good. No. So something I think a lot about with money uh, in terms um, is that uh, sometimes it's not the price that somebody pays for something. Mm-hmm. It's just that it was sold for something. Yeah. You know, that somebody did, mm-hmm. you know? So like learning about the existence of luxury goods will sometimes upset me. Yes. Even if nobody I know bought them or if, you know, just like, Oh wow, that exists for sale. Somebody has bought it mm-hmm. at that price. That's no. gross. Uh, and will make me feel very queasy mm-hmm. and B would make me feel it all the time. Yes. Yeah, definitely B. I could adjust. Yeah. I could adjust to A. I might welcome A. Yeah. Like, sincerely, like that might be good for the podcast. <laughs> you know, like big heel turn. Like, hey, <laughs> don't say my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Potter, I'm going to eat your bones. <laughs> you know, whatever Voldemort says. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh- uh, and then a final life question here. Uh, Eric writes, uh, thank you for the local food suggestions. 
uh, the lilting Mr. Fisher's potato chip monster is my new favorite thing. Is his tiny hat? Is his hat a tiny box? This is referencing the last dispatch where we talked about mm-hmm. local local snack foods and stuff like that. Um, Eric continues. I've used your suggestions as reasons to travel after Portland Retro Games Expo. Uh, I've gone ghost golfing, uh, and you were both correct about haunted house that correct about haunted houses being the best. Uh, do you have any local suggestions for things to do? Uh, Cole, what's in the greater Ohio area? Um, I don't have anything new to suggest in Portland mm-hmm. or PRG because it's because of pandemics. Right. Nothing's been going on. Right. Uh, so nothing is opening up that I know of. I mean, it might be, but I'm not going to it. Yeah. Um, in the greater Ohio area, um, I would, I mean, the one thing that I will always go to bat for is the Ohio state reformatory, Mm -hmm. uh, OSR fucking rules. And you should go there and see it. Uh, you know, even if you're not like a big Shawshank fan or whatever, it's just a real cool, uh, huge old, uh, Gothic, uh, castle that has like sweet decaying jail cells in it and stuff. And you know, what if I'm just a fan of human misery? Yeah, what if you're a fan of human misery? What if you want to see the whole? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. OSR. I would like to see the whole. Go yeah, see it. I would do that. One of the things once uh, everything reopens is I want to make a trip out to the Midwest on a vacation of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh for a couple of things. Like one, I would, you know, visit uh my hometown and stuff. Of course. Um it'd be cool to do OSR, but I also want to visit Townsend's. Oh yeah. The tavern. The nutmeg tavern, of course. Um, that would be a really fun like trip mm-hmm. to me, like gothic prison, yeah. nutmeg tavern. I, man, I could swing lives. over there. I could like, yeah. Um, Townsend's would be like a one tank trip, uh, one tank trip for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, if if I ever plan that, I'll let you know because that'd be yeah. fun. It'd be good times. Good times. Just like you and I, just drinking nutmeg ale, mm-hmm. eating nutmeg encrusted salmon or whatever. <laughs> Having a guy in an apron explain things to us. Love it. Yeah. Ooh, baby. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Let's lightning round. Lightning round, baby. Uh, Ben asks, do you have any go-to appearance choices in games with a character creator? Me, but thinner. Uh, (laughs) Me, but fatter. (laughs) I I, I will make, I will always make a character as fat as possible. Yeah. um, If possible. Yeah. But I do try to make a version of me. Yeah, uh, which does mean I'm just kind of like bearded white guy, and that's fine. Yeah, that's that, that's okay. A lot of times in games like that, uh, you don't really even see your character that much. So I, I'm also I've said this before, but I have a different gamer psychographic than a lot of people who I know, where I don't care that much about uh, fashion in games. Right. Um, character creators are not as fun to me, and I don't care about what my character's wearing is nearly as much as most people I know. Yeah. Um, I don't see the self. I I, I wear jeans and a t-shirt or mm-hmm. sleep pants and a t-shirt most of the time i do mm-hmm. not see fashion as self-expression the same way a lot of people who i know do yeah uh so. this is more of a kind of a psa thing but joseph asks how can i join the slack i hear you guys talk about it on episodes and i figured it was a message board or group chat type thing and i would love to join uh we don't talk about like how this works enough uh, when you become uh, when you become a patron you uh can follow a link on that's like a pinned post uh, at the top where you can uh, just uh, join it yourself if you are a patron. So it is just a pin mm-hmm. post at the top, uh, at the top of our post page uh, to join the, uh, the chat room. Tons of channels, tons of good people. Yeah. It's a really good time. You yeah. should join if, uh, if you haven't. Yeah. 
check it out. It's friendly. There's an introduce yourself channel, which is a good first stop and everyone will say hi and then join other channels. Yeah. Uh, Chris asks, have you thought about doing a Metroidvania month? Um, we don't really do theme months mm-hmm. anymore. I have had a hankering for a Metroidvania uh, for a while. Uh, just recently, the um, since we started doing Vanity Picks this year, yeah. which we talked about in Dispatches, uh, there's a tab on that uh, spreadsheet, which is like stuff we want to add to the schedule. And I am rubbing my hands together to insert zero mission and do mm-hmm. uh, a slot at some point because zero, I'm zero. due for a replay and it's good. Zero mission is really, really good. Oh. Yeah. Um we did kinda do an um oh uh a Metroidvania month. I'm looking, but like there was that month that we did Axiom Verge and Valdus story. story. Yeah. Yeah. What was the premium that month? That might have been I don't remember. Uh yeah, that was that that was the Ocarina of Time, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Non non Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like I like a Metroidvania though, and it's been a minute. Yes, since I played. We also have all of those Castlevanias to do. We did uh, Order of Ecclesia, but mm-hmm. it's not like we couldn't do Dawn of Sorrow or what have you. Yeah, at any point, and I I would be down for that whenever. Like the only difficulty is those aren't like super short games. Um, they're not super long, but they're not super short. Yeah, that, those ones. So, uh, rela- um, related to this, Marcus asks, uh, "What is a month theme that you've always wanted to do but haven't been able to?" It's weird that we got both of these in the same uh, in the in, in the same app. It's like things that stuck to the bottom of the suggestion box. Oh, <laughs> like we haven't been doing theme months for two years. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like we just shook these out. Yeah, I, I mean, this is not specific, but like one of those that I really liked was like Desperation Month or what have you, mm. where we did Frostpunk and Stalker and all of that. Like, not so much Papers, please. Yeah, yeah, month too, yeah. Oh. yeah. Not so much like a uh, like a straight up genre because I think that leads to monotony but like picking a particular feeling and then finding the uh, uh finding the games that that work around that uh yeah that, is there is there a feeling that you'd want to pick that we haven't done sleepiness no i i, I don't know <laughs> I, I i don't have an answer on top of that so yeah i don't, I don't think i have one that we didn't do i think yeah. part of the reason why we re- retired the theme month was because uh genre seeminess and then when we did the things that went outside of that like i was mm-hmm. very proud of like how we handled mech month yeah because we, you know, we, it yeah, was unusual. Flash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, like, I don't want to necessarily give myself that exercise. Right. There's no, no theme that I was like, oh man, I wish we'd done that <laughs> theme. Yeah. Um, Adam says, uh, Hey guys, quick question. Did you know that Will Hughes got 780 verbal and 730 math on his SATs? I, I did. did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do. We do. We know it. And now you do too. Yeah. Uh, he's a smart, he's a smart, good boy. Um, if those numbers mean that, I don't know what they mean. Uh, I think, uh, 8, I just assume, I mean, I assume it's out of a thousand, so it's not great. But. <laughs> yep. It's out of a thousand. <laughs> like a so, C plus and a C minus is yeah, what he's bragging about. Yeah. Full, full, fully so, average. Yeah. 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 But, I, I, know, I still, those, some, those are meaningless numbers and that's a meaningless acronym. Like, yeah. uh, you know, we're all, we're all adults now. <laughs> uh, we can, we can move past this shit. I still sometimes um, get a little bit frustrated about how little that mattered. After it, it was well, sold they, to they, me. You were lied to, man. Yeah. Like, you were lied to. And and continuing to uphold that lie for future generations is you paying it forward. Uh-huh. Like, don't do it. Don't don't succumb. Don't do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Randall asks, either of you all interested in playing the new Disco Elysium Final Cut Edition? Uh, there's been massive changes to the voiceover. Shit, yeah, dude. Yeah, of course. Uh, I just have not had it in me to replay. 
Yep. Because of work stuff and because of, you know, depression and life and all those things. But I definitely want to play that on my Switch. I think that would be like a great Switch game, like a chapter of a book before bed. Oh, yeah. You know, like I'm going to do a couple quest lines before bed. And mm-hmm. that rhythm would just, it's like when I was playing Divinity Original Sin 2 and I'm like, I'm going to do three battles before bed. Yeah. You know, where however those space out. And that just, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, my, my friend Derek is playing it um, and he just failed the check where he ended up saying something racist to, to Kim. And he just oh. like was devastated. Like he texted me. Oh, no. <laughs> like, and why did I do that? And I'm like, yeah. I know, man, it sucks. Go apologize. <laughs> I, I was just like, I just, I just put in like Disco Elysium quote last night. As I was going to bed, just like I just feel like reading some good prose. Like, wait, just let's see what people highlight. Man, Kim is such a good character. Like that Kim's line, great. that that line where he says, uh, you know, this place has been failed by every single government and by every single ideology, and that's great because it means it belongs to all of us. Yeah, it's like good so guy. good. The game, game of the year, like three years running. Oh yeah. Like people who are like, oh yeah, Hades was the best game of twenty twenty. No, fuck no, you. Disco Elysium still. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was still Disco Elysium. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, you know, Hades was fun, but I, I'm yeah. happy to inform you that Disco Elysium still slaps. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was Resident Evil four up until it was Disco Elysium, <laughs> um, or d- d- Resident Evil four until it was Dark Souls. Then mm-hmm. it was Disco Elysium. Yeah. Um, Mark asks, uh, did either of you guys get a chance to play the Resident Evil Village demo during the twenty four hour window? Uh, thoughts um i did not did you play it no no um i would have uh wanted to stream it but i think i was streaming pathologic that night uh Uh, and then i missed it because a 24 hour window for a demo is super dumb it's super dumb also that game is coming Uh, out in like a day so for for games i know i'm going to play yeah uh, i tend not to get too hyped for demos yeah um yeah i'll just play it Mm-hmm. And they kind of bit me with Resident Evil 7 because the demo was different. Right. You know, but I'm I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah. The nice part about that demo was it was like a year before it came out. So I was like genuinely excited because it was the only yeah. case I was going to get for a while. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Chris says, what is the best, funniest or bleakest example of environmental storytelling you've encountered in real life? Ooh. Uh Lot, you know, there's lots of like half full condoms that I'll find, <laughs> you know, from time to time. <laughs> I, I mean, mine is mine is kind of related to that. Uh, it was like, uh, man, somewhere in Virginia, somewhere in uh, Pennsylvania, like Harrisburg or something like that. We were on our way over to the coast. My brother and I stopped at a hotel and we walked across like to a drugstore to pick up some stuff for the room. And uh, like on one of the, you know, just islands in the parking lot. You know, where they, like mm-hmm. grass by a tree, there was not only the uh, the full condom laying in the grass, but there was a small little grass fire lit because somebody threw their uh, somebody threw their cigarette out. Oh, so sorry. like the orgone was still fresh in the air because whoever yeah. fucked there threw their cigarette there just just recently enough that the fire was still lit. You could have got some free DNA, man. <laughs> I know what a viable. fool I am. <laughs> Did you yeah. say viable? Yeah. Okay. Leave money on the table, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yuck, dude. <laughs> um, leave a money shot on the table, shot. Um, yeah, it's a that that's the thing that first pops to mind. But I'm sure I've seen some graffiti that was, you know, very bleak as well. That's not popping to mind right now. Yeah. Um, love that stuff. 
Um, <laughs> there's, there's really funny, there's like kids who draw on sidewalk talk in my neighborhood because I live in a very like family neighborhood now. Mm-hmm. And somebody just drew a really, really, really cute picture with a logo that just has Nutria Rat. <laughs> and a picture of a nutria rat and I, i'm really in love with it right now yeah <laughs> like yeah hell yeah nutria rats <laughs> nutria. and then yesterday i saw a couple nutria rats on a walk and i'm like Ooh. fuck yeah brothers i didn't know they were out there mm-hmm. i thought that was like a new orleans like southeast kind of thing we got i mean it, they could have been incredibly small beavers okay or badgers or something but they i think they're nutria rats yeah a nutria um, are adorable yeah they're they're amazing uh got a double double header here from uh cinder elf uh, who asked, um, out of all the Jim Henson-related media, from Sesame Street to the Dark Crystal, which are your favorite Muppets? Beaker, Muppet Beaker, and Beaker. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, I mean, it's, it's impossible for me not to pick something from Labyrinth. Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, I might end up saying the, uh, you know, I love Ludo. I love Sir Didymus. Mm-hmm. Uh, High-quality Muppets. Yeah, no. Yeah. Nope, I just I just love the unrestrained panic and, and anxiety that Beaker uh, embodies. Yeah, Beaker is a slave. <laughs> I don't think Beaker is there by choice. <laughs> he's, you know, he's just constantly every murmur is help me, help me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, like, does Beaker seem like he wants to be there at all? No. And does Bunsen seem like he cares? Like, it, it's it's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, I think about the Doozers a lot as well. Oh yeah, Doozers are good. Know? Yeah. So. Those guys. Um, what is our second, second one? favorite here? I've been on a bit of an old movie kick lately. Uh, what is your favorite movie from each decade? Uh, or just one that you really like from, uh, um, from, from each decade? Running a whole list of decades, like going back super early is probably not uh, not something I can yeah. do. But like... Where do you want to start? Uh, 70s. Okay. Yeah. Um... um 70s invasion of the body snatchers for me oh that that's a really good yeah good answer um boy yeah that, i don't know why this is incredibly difficult for me to think of a <laughs> 70s movie <laughs> they really like uh i'm gonna skip that okay. and i'm gonna go uh to the 80s and i'm gonna say the thing shit mine would be the thing too uh if i started yeah. in the 60s i would say the wicker man but yeah, yeah wicker man's a really good answer uh when did the third man come out uh third man would have been 60s i think 60s. right yeah that's a really that's a good one yeah um i like that movie a lot um 90 boy because it, it's hard because like actual you know like cool cinema and stuff came out like i think eternal sunshine came out in the 90s no eternal sunshine was 2004 movie. um oh, okay i'll yeah. throw that in my my 2001 even though i haven't revisited yeah eh. uh the third man was uh, 1949 it feels so much it feels a lot more modern oh, than that 40s yeah. yeah well that's why it's good yeah like yeah. so that's definitely my favorite movie of the 40s yeah um you know 90s uh I, this is not my none of these are my favorite these are just things i just like this was mm-hmm. what a hard question yeah what what a what devastating question this was. <laughs> yeah. um uh dark city oh yeah dark, city, dark city yeah uh i love dark city <laughs> tommy boy i don't know 90s yeah, is yeah, kind well, of a yeah, dire kind of a dire time for uh for, for movies i also i don't remember when things came out uh, uh you know well. what T- total recall was uh was 1990 that's a good one yeah yeah total recall's great uh-huh um i'm trying to think of things we haven't already said or you know because there's this recency bias this is a devastating question yeah skip <laughs> I, I skip pass pass <laughs> 2000s 2000s to be synecdoche new york and the 2010s the endless yeah. um andy asks 
skip, 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 pass, pass, pass. If it's not too late, uh, can you please discuss Arnold Schwarzenegger's discomforting voyeuristic gaze during Jamie Lee Curtis's striptease scene in the film True Lies? It's not too late. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever seen True Lies. Oh, really? True, True yeah. Lies is fun. Yeah. Like, I, I, uh, I, I like snuck into that movie yeah. uh, lying and saying I was seeing angels in the outfield. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then went and saw True Lies instead. Yeah. Um, yeah and that, a, that is a sexy ass striptease. Yeah. Uh, good. Jamie uh, Curtis. Good, good cast. You got your uh, your Tom Arnold and your Tia Carrere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A duet of uh, you know, pleasures there. <laughs> um, Arnold Schwarzenegger just is trying to look horny, but he has the weird kind of blank countenance he gives to everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, which is part of his charm. Um, I don't think it looks that horny. I think it looks really disquieting. Mm. Uh, in that movie, like you just you're watching Jamie Lee Curtis striptease and it looks great, and then you just cut over to Arnold Schwarzenegger's weirdly kind of like catfish, like uncomprehending, <laughs> uncomprehending face a little bit. Yeah, uh, this is before his like this like now that he's uh, you know uh, a politician, he just squints all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. he, did, he, like, he figured out that's the way to hide the weird blank look. Yes, that he has. Yeah. You know what? I said to you, career on this. Honestly, favorite movie of the nineties might be might be Wayne's World. Actually, Wayne's World's a good answer. Yeah, like a good yeah. movie that is also fun. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it is. It is a weird look, though. I'm glad that Andy <laughs> noticed it as well. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the uh, the video um, in the light of some recent tragedy? Arnold Schwarzenegger put out an inspir- inspirational video that like. Did I talk, did we talk about this? Like about two thirds of the way through it, he pulls out the sword from Conan and says, "This is Conan's sword." <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Like, was he just like trying to make a video. point, or was he just trying to keep your attention? Don't look away. I have Conan's no, no, he's, sword. <laughs> he's jangling. These are Conan's keys. <laughs> just like no, he he was trying to make a point hmm. about uh, you know standing up to bigotry is like being Conan or something. Okay. You know it was. It was uh, you know, generally like on the right side of stuff, but it was just very funny because he just pulls it out from behind his desk and says, this is Conan's sword. <laughs> of course it <laughs> it's is just funny. a really great moment. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, yeah, time time for topic. And this is a light one. Yeah. You may have noticed we, we spent extra time on the questions mm-hmm. this week, and that's because we have a light topic. We have a light oh, one. Really? I, I, I wanted to. Yeah, I, I think that this will this this will be light, like a nice. uh like 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 a nice cream pie, uh, yeah. or uh, you know, like like a whipped topping or what have you, uh, because yeah. Chris asks. Uh, I guess this is specifically for Gary, uh, though obviously I'd love to hear from Cole as well on this. But you mentioned in the past how you probably have a long form essay in you about the depictions of food in games. Uh, just curious if that ever happened and I missed it. Uh, I would love to hear you talk at length about that. Uh, as I also think it's one of the more subtly fascinating decisions someone can make when creating a game. And part of the reason why this has like been sticking in my mind is because I forget it was like a recent episode of WAF where we talked about healing or like, mm-hmm. I think we said, oh, so that like, this wasn't like uh breath of the wild. It where... was where we're talking about demon souls. Yeah. Oh yeah. So take, it was de- yeah. take time to eat the herb. <laughs> right. And, you know, so you have, you have to use the go away for the animation and stuff like that. You know, it's not like you go into the menu and then just gruffle a whole bunch of uh, skewers or what have you. Um, yeah. And like the idea of food as healing items is, mm-hmm. has always been a little bit weird to me. 
Um, yeah. And like, there are all kinds of like aesthetic and mechanical ways that food is just worked into the mechanics and world of a game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, the original idea for that they had was thinking about how class is depicted via food in the dishonored yeah. games. And that had, I feel like that ship has sailed. Like I never wrote about that, but that is now like the discourse is, you know, when I first thought of that, it felt novel mm-hmm. uh, to me, but now that's the kind of thing I feel like people think about and recognize as an intentional part of those games. Can, can, can I, can, can I, can I summarize that very quickly for somebody who might not like off the top of their head? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Uh, so this is so like the just the idea that when you're in the uh, place, like, you know, a home dedicated to rich people, there's all kinds of, you know, fruit and vegetables, you know, like fresh meat laying around on uh, the kitchen and stuff like that, like actual, you know, places where servants are preparing food and stuff like that. But if you're in the poorer districts or in the uh, in, in the uh, apartments and things, really, it's just uh, tinned tinned eel jelly. And stuff like yeah. that. Lots of uh, lots of canned convenience food, uh, kind of stuff. And that yeah, is explicitly shown as grosser. Yeah, you know, and worse. The cans are often um, like rusty and old and stuff. Like this is shit that is just not good. Yeah, all the cream deal the <laughs> is not is not good. And even the fruit ends up being rotten. Like when they have fresh fruit, it looks worse. Yeah. You know, and there's some kind of commentary there on class, like Dishonored games are not not about class. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't think that they they front side that theme, but it, it is a little background theme. Mm-hmm. That's part of the world for sure. Through. Like how yeah. miserable it is. I mean, the whole first game is about like the plague that is coming uh, to the city and hitting the most vulnerable first. Then you have like the like the masquerade and stuff. I feel like it's foregrounded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When and by nature of your protagonist, you're constantly crossing that line. Yeah. In a way that's actually really similar to Hitman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are crossing the the line between like kind of high and low culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through your job. That's something I really respect. Yes. Uh, in games and and there's just kind of like what food people eat as a marker for class is like again, like it's not I'm not saying I came up with it. When mm-hmm. I that first thought of that though, it was like the first time it occurred to me, even though now there are tons of like, you know good YouTube essays about how white <laughs> trash food parties are classist as hell. And like, you know, what, white uh, trash food parties. What the fuck is yeah. that? Well, it's, it's what it sounds like is people, people do like, Hey, let's make a bunch of like good ass food, like Frito pie and stuff. And then just kind of dress up in what we consider to be low class <sighs> clothes and have a party. Like everybody brings a casserole and a Frito pie and shit. Yeah. Um, no, you, know, you can like, just, well, you, know, you could, you can just like, you know, rich food if you want like you, you can just have that it doesn't have to be like a yeah. costume party dudes <laughs> yeah you don't have to, you don't have to dress up as a poor person to eat yeah a food you know it's it's ridiculous and then you know it plays into like like people the wick restrictions mm. like the, the food stamp restrictions people have where it's like you yeah. must have a a cheese wheel that is this many ounces but not more than this many ounces and cannot be cubed by any means because then it's a party. <laughs> because, the, because then it's a yeah Ugh, that, I, um, I wish I didn't know about that. Why did you explain when I asked you? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I live to give. Um, the uh, but that that's what that so that's one way that food is used, mm-hmm. um, and is obviously more modern. Yeah, you know, like that. That's a, a, a something that like a level of fidelity gives us. Yes. Um, and then the to your point, like the way that food is used for health is really interesting because abstracting the idea of health, um is shouldn't be difficult 
right? right. Yeah. Um, we have a symbol for it. Uh-huh. And there's no reason why Simon Belmont couldn't like whip open a wall and find a first aid kit. Yeah. The thing you just said, here's a band-aid. You can you can see the band-aid, but like specifically a wall ham, right? Yeah. You know, here 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 is this here is this joint of ham. Uh, you know, like River City Ransom, you know, you don't go into a doctor. Like there's no like street side mm-hmm. clinic that, clinic that you go into to get uh you know, to, to to get patched up. No, you go into like a tea shop. Um yeah. and like I'm I'm happy for that in the River City Ransom or like in the more modern version of that, uh like Yakuza kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh because that definitely does give like a sense of place to it. You know? Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go in and, like, go into, like, this particular restaurant that sells that this is located in a particular place. You Kind of the like same thing tourism. with, like, yeah, food tourism, uh, you know, or, like, less explicitly, like, you know, not simply not from the tourist angle, but, like, Grand Theft Auto, where you go into, you know, an XB or Burger King or, uh, like, a uh, um, uh, KFC. Or I think even, like, San Andreas, they had, like, they actually got a licensing deal from Stucky's. Oh sure, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think I think you do go into Stuckies. Yeah, there. Um, yeah, like I I I like that too. I I don't know. It it adds a cartoony element to things. Yeah, you know that can clash with a certain amount of you know realism, but that's not the mm-hmm. goal. Is not always realism. Yeah, like. But what's interesting is I feel like uh, this is I'm 100 talking about my ass here, so nobody take this as. Uh, researched uh-huh. but i wonder if the origins of that came with like things like rogue or like games where you had to eat oh yeah yeah you know and then uh that just kind of became the semiotic language because prior like, the earlier examples i can think of like with uh like pac-man and stuff they're just points right right there is no health and it's you just know. it's because they're there it's a symbol it's nice yeah it's a, it's a, it is it is a fun thing to depict in colorful pixel art against this Pro- black probably background. On loan from slot machines. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the cherry from uh, Pac-Man was probably because of that. And just mm-hmm. like, hey, big money, cherries. Yes. You know? Um, and then maybe it became associated with health through roguelikes. And then there's the kind of cartoony mm-hmm. lineage of that. Yeah. That carries on in your Yakuza's. Um, but then you end up with, like, things like Witcher 3, where, like, if you just gruffle a potato, it gives you a couple health points. But, <laughs> you know, it's not like healing potion. Yeah. Something that yeah. I the, the, that I genuinely loved, um, and I have no idea if this is like continued in modern modern MMOs uh, as they become mm-hmm. kind of like more like mechanically streamlined and focused or something. But like back playing EverQuest, which followed on from you know MUDs, right? So the, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not saying that uh, EverQuest was the by, you know, by any means the first to do this, but you know you had a crafting system for any number of things. So you could be a blacksmith, you could be a tailor, you know, leather worker, stuff like that, or you could, you know, use your uh, uh, resources uh, and your loot and stuff to become like a uh, a cook or a uh, mm-hmm. a brewer, right? And like, yes, that is a fun little flavor thing to do, but like, you can actually be really useful to a group or to a guild because uh, the food that you had, um, at least early on, you were able to, you know, you had to buy like rations and water. Because it would, mm-hmm. it would, you know, eat those automatically. But like any food that took crafting or a lot of money to get gave uh, really good long lasting buffs. Mm-hmm. 
you know so it was like yeah. on top of and beyond and often like informed by whatever like ingredient you could find on it so like food that you don't have to eat but like food that is like specifically there to encourage you to like find other people uh to play with uh who may have mm-hmm. like specialized with that i think that's a really that that was a really fun and good way to like incentivize you know playing with other people who might have had a diverse set of uh you know systems they were engaging with you know we're yeah. not going to go on this raid because so and so for you know so and so from this guild you know hasn't put together all of the special brewery items that we need to get the buff that'll get us through here right yeah yeah like that that stuff is is interesting mm-hmm. um and you you see like lineages of that kind of like specific buffs for specific food stuff in like modern crpg stuff yeah. you know that was in, in dos 2 mm-hmm. there's also an element of this that i you know, part of the reason why this is a light topic is because I don't have that strong of an opinion on a lot of this mm-hmm. aspects of this, only some of them, but the, uh, the movement towards like food pornography, <laughs> Final Fantasy games. 15 or monster hunter world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or, or breath of the wild. Yeah, yeah. You know, people just like, mm, that, you know, that, and, and to me, this is one of those things that I kind of, uh, I don't experience, but I understand that it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to like a fashion, yeah yeah uh and if i had to draw the roots of this it would be um not the roots but like just a common element is like describing food and say lord of the rings or oh yeah your red wall yeah 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 like they're they're always just like oh this is a onion stew with with beef drippings and oxtail gravy and all this stuff (laughs) and you're just kind of it's it's uh titillating it's supposed to be kind of a pornography yeah and then you know you do that in your your monster hunter or what have your final fantasy 15 and kind of uh you know talk about how awesome it is yeah and i think it's just there to like make you think about something elemental and human mm-hmm. like a murakami kind of thing like you think about food yeah um everybody thinks about food food mm-hmm. is universal food food unites um, us yeah yeah so sure mm-hmm. in when i'm playing a video game i tend to be more wireframe than that like i was annoyed by waiting for the cooking animations in breath of the wild yeah and and just wanted to be able to like bake a thousand apples at once right, for their mechanical right. effect um you know the, it's those games don't tend to be something where i want to slow down and mm-hmm. enjoy the food porn yeah part of it um, um so here here if it's talking about class not here if it's to make me feel good i'm here for yeah. world building you know, in the uh, yeah. in the Yakuza River City Ransom Grand Theft Auto style, uh, or one of my favorite things that uh, I just I love and always make a note of, especially if they pop up in streams, um, any kind of uh, specifically like pop or soda machine uh, that you see oh, in the world. Oh, uh, the graphic designs on that! Like, do they do they like try and riff on a, on an existing thing? Like an existing mm-hmm. pop, or do they make up their Bebop own? Cola. <laughs> yeah. it's the thing. Mingus do. It's the Thinking Man's pop. <laughs> Mango, yeah. Mango Reinhardt. Yeah. I love getting a, a, pop, a fake video game pop machine next to a fake video game magazine rack. Oh, yep. You're in for a good time there. <laughs> you know? That's it's at a least good a good feeling. 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah, just like, hmm. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, I, I love that shit. Like in terms of a world building thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I... I sometimes think about like the fact that I don't have that fashion souls gene and I don't, I'm not made horny by games and stuff. Like I do have a very uh, kind of hardwired straight ahead set of video game kind of playing mm-hmm. things. And I think that a lot of people, there's a lot more bleed. Yeah. You know, like I want to be a little titillated. I want to be a little hungry. Mm-hmm. I want to be a little, you know, all of these things. And I just don't have that feeling. Yeah. 
you know, so a lot of this food stuff, like I like it as a, a textual element. Like I like it as what this says about the world directly. I don't want to viscerally experience it though. No, I mean, all that means is just, there's just something missing from you. Yeah. Or there's something missing from everyone else. Well, yeah. <laughs> you consider that. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just, uh, for, for me, it just, it doesn't, it's not how I engage with the media. Yeah. You know, um, that might be all I have to say about food and games. I think so. We said it would be light. We got about 15 minutes out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Light. I don't have, it's an interesting topic. There's, uh, other people other than us have probably written really good essays Mm -hmm. about all of these aspects. I'm sure people have written about final fantasy 15's food porn obsession. Um, Um, and yeah. And I'm sure there are like, I I know for sure that there are Twitter accounts and, uh, Instagram accounts, uh, for, uh, any of the vending machines and foods and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Just like meal, you know, spreads. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're going to, uh, now read your responses to our games. We did for April, mm-hmm. uh, here starting with divinity, original sin Two. Sebastian says via contact on and off watcher. Love your stuff. I assume listener, uh, just wanted to say that it's a shame that in chapter two, Cole did not go to the upstairs brothel as Fane. Ambush goes on as it does usually, but it starts with the cutthroats going, God damn it, girl, not another undead, which is pretty unab- unabashedly, which she pretty unabashedly replies that everyone has their kinks. <laughs> I just found that hilarious. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> not another undead. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny how common the undead are ultimately as you go around as fame and none of them are related <laughs> to you. Yeah. Well, uh, all of them are related to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Like, you know, all of them ones that are like sentient and not under control of the the king or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Are basically your family. It's a big family <laughs> reunion game. Uh, David says via contact, uh, as somebody who grew up outside of the PC gaming sphere, CRPGs are a big hole in my personal gaming history. Aside from KOTOR, if that counts, I think it does. Um, mm-hmm. I had never played a CRGB, a CRPG. Uh, before uh, playing both of the Divinity Original Sin games in the past couple of years. Both of you are coming at Divinity Original Sin 2 with a lot of experience in the genre, so I wanted to point out a few reasons why I think these games are great for CRPG newbies. Uh, There isn't a really complicated rule set to learn. The combat is difficult, but the turn-based design allows you to plan your moves carefully and consider uh, what you have at your disposal. The developer mods provide quality of life improvements, uh, and both games heavily reward you for thinking for thinking of outside the box solutions. I've since gone back to older games in the genre like Planescape Torment and Shadowrun Dragonfall and loved them, uh, and I have the Divinity Original Sin uh, games to thank. Love the episodes. Keep it up. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad to hear from that perspective because I look at Divinity Original Sin 2 as like a very complex um, and let's just say like masterful entry in the genre. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's good to hear that it is not intimidating to somebody who is, you know, not, you know, coming to the, not from like a place of experience, right? You're not, you know, that's not intimidating. I get, I get what Andrew mean or David means. It's not like um, you have to know about second edition D and D rule sets and shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for it, I, I maintain that if you can play final fantasy tactics, you can play divinity original sin too. Yeah. Like it is, you know, a move and an action every turn is not that easier than a move point mm-hmm. like an action point economy. Yeah. Um, and then once you have an action point economy in your head, you're gravy. 
yeah, you've opened you up can, a lot of really great games. You can go to so many other things from that. Yeah, Fallout 2, Wasteland 2, mm-hmm. uh, etc. Um, Alex says via contact. Oh boy, I have been waiting for you guys to cover this game since the first rumblings of Gary talking about it in other episodes. This could very well be my favorite game, despite me uh, not having finished it. I am two-thirds of the way through my third run-up. Mm. I'm British and grew up with Warhammer and Discworld as my fantasy reference points. And to me, Divinity Original Sin 2 really captures the special tone, which is equal parts macabre and silly, and sometimes even touching. It takes itself always exactly as serious as required for the game uh, that it needs to be. As you picked up in the episode, there is an immersive simness to the level of detail put into the mechanics being consistent both in and out of combat, but it is also not afraid to make gamey design choices when it benefits the game being fun. Magic pockets, uh, pockets, for example. Uh, The one big gripe I have with the game is that it often felt as if the order in which quests have uh, to be completed was too rigid. I found myself hoovering up little quests I had missed in order to not be severely underleveled. This uh, often made the RPG choice aspect of the game feel less meaningful to me as I would end up exploring nearly all possible routes in order to keep my XP up. I escaped Fort Joy in about four different ways. (laughs) Uh, I could also just be shit at the game. Thank you for putting in the inhuman amount of hours to make that episode as generous as the game itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, as always, we were unable to include every response about this really popular game. Uh, Alex mm-hmm. is echoing a lot of people's uh, thoughts on this, actually. Uh, hmm. Kind of uh, the fact that you do end up needing to do a lot of stuff to stay above and with the curve uh, mm-hmm. takes away a little bit of the ability uh, to pick and choose uh, that you would. Yeah. yeah. And, and I 100% get that. For me, the reason why it works in Divinity Original Sin 2, where it works worse in, say, like, Deus Ex 2, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that kind of thing, is that the intrinsic and extrinsic rewards are both great. Mm-hmm. Like, the different routes to escape Fort Joy are all fun to do, yeah. and leveling up is really fun and meaningful. Mm-hmm. So, at no point did I not want to do those things. Yeah, I, and also, like, the uh, we talk about psychographics a lot. I'm a person who likes doing everything that I can anyway. So yeah. it, like the, the, the that discretion is not necessarily important for me because I'm not generally going to exercise it an awful lot, you know, yeah. in or out of this um, game, regardless of the demands that it places on me. What's kind of interesting is I think that like if you were going to just play it as a straight shot RP, you know, I escape Fort Joy in one way, mm-hmm. it would be pretty balanced if you bump the difficulty down. Like yeah. you could do that and you'd be a little bit less leveled, but you put that on, you know explorer storytelling mode and it probably works no you know uh if i if i had to guess and then you know tactician mode there are straight up like guides for what order to do quest in just to make sure you're eking out every available xp point from the game no because you have to for me classic mode was somewhere in the middle i ended up overpowered by the end of the game Mm -hmm. doing all the quests yeah um you know but it's uh it wasn't my first rodeo as well yeah yeah so I think we had all benefit of taboos were taken away from the whatever difficulty you tried to choose. Yeah, it's it's all fine. <laughs> it's all fine. You know, like, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, like, I don't want to play that game on storytelling mode. It doesn't bother me if anyone does mm-hmm. because I'm not an idiot. And ex- and exploration mode is fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, that. well, exploration mode. Like, I've seen that argued a bunch of places that exploration mode is a lot closer to what a normal game would have for normal. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it is a, a tough game, like the floor is. You know, everything is raised a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Exploration mode is close to what video game like video games are as normal, and then tactician is more like ultra hard mm-hmm. than just a hard mode. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Uh, Luke writes via contact, I loved my time with Divinity Original Sin 2, but man, I found some of the overarching lore confusing. The most confusing thing to me was that I spent the entirety of my time with the game assuming that the God King was Lucian. Uh, you can imagine why this made some of the lore bewildering to me. Uh, and while I'm sure I'm largely at fault for this mistake, I feel like I'm not entirely at fault. Uh, if you're going to make a character's only name a title, uh, it makes sense that some players will think that it must be uh, the title of another character in the game. Lucian was divine and a king, so it makes sense that uh, it would make sense if uh, sometimes characters referred to him as the God King. Uh, I like to think I have a pretty good reading comprehension. I have an otherwise useless PhD in philosophy, uh, so this was not one of my proudest moments. Uh, it wasn't until I listened to your episodes of the show that it clicked for me. The God King is a Satan-like character, not Lucian. I'm now replaying the game. Hopefully it will make more sense to me with this knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, Th sticky misconceptions uh, are sticky. You're, you know, you're talking about law of conservation of detail. Yeah. You know, and, and the game is very long, so and they unspool God King stuff very slowly. Yeah. You know, the God King is talking to you very early on, but you don't really see that um you know you don't really know who it is so it's very easy to jumble two concepts together and just have them together for the remainder mm -hmm. you know um so I, yeah i totally get that i also think that it's one of those things where uh it kind of suffers from being part of a long-running series yeah um you know that a lot of people aren't going to play yes you know, we, when when i said the earlier games were didn't seem worth it to my mind. You know, we got some spirited defenses back mm -hmm. of the earlier games, but at the same time, I think that Larian is probably aware on some level that like, these are their big critically acclaimed games that more people are going to play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so having uh, these names kind of come through without having codexes or without being properly introduced uh, is a double-edged sword. Yeah. So uh, William says via contact. Uh, first off, I just want to give props to Cole for getting through this game in just a couple of weeks. Divinity Original Sin 2 was on my personal game of the year list three years in a row because I needed about a six-month break between acts. Uh, mostly because it gives you so much freedom that I couldn't help but spend tens of hours digging through each area of the game. I was hooked from the moment I picked up the teleportation gloves in Fort Joy. When I started casting teleport and seeing that I can move to otherwise unreachable locations and even around the fort, bypassing most combat encounters, I couldn't believe how much freedom I had. I would love to see more games take some inspiration and add some more immersive sim elements to other genres as a side note and feel free to cut this for time i discovered that part of the last boss fight seems to be largely skippable i didn't actually realize there was supposed to be a kraken until listening to the show because after brackus gave his little villain speech during the final confrontation he moved and was immediately killed by an attack of opportunity by my summon <laughs> at which point all of the dramatic music cut out and has left to pick uh, off the remaining enemies at an anticlimactic silence <laughs> that's really good <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, um, shit. You know, I would have taken it, it, an anticlimax as opposed to hours and hours of really frustrating play. <laughs> well, the, the, those two points that are in that paragraph tie into each other. Yeah, right? yeah. Like the the one of the the upsides. There are many upsides, but one upside of that immersive sim element is it's not afraid to let you experience an encounter in not the way the developer absolutely intended. Yeah, you know, the developer wanted that to be a big dramatic moment, but you did you spec for something that made the game easier. Uh -huh. So. This is what would happen, so it's something that did happen. Yeah. You know? So, which I respect. I do. Mm -hmm. uh, Jay writes via contact, a masterful game on just about every front. However, 
Uh, (laughs) However, a recent attempt at the hardest difficulty of the game, Tactical, highlighted some annoying quirks in the character advancement and level scaling system that made me appreciate the game slightly less, from an A-plus game to merely an A. Think about how in Baldur's Gate 2, you could find a cool ring with a cool effect in your first few hours that you would still have equipped 50 hours later. In Original Sin 2, your gear is a procession of nondescript stat sticks, Uh, that transmute into vendor trash every other character level. Midway through Act 2, it began to feel less like my guys were getting stronger as individuals and more like they were arbitrarily being granted access to swords, shields, and helmets with higher numbers than their current swords, shields, and helmets. Uh, You can see an attempt to fix this with the bonus Relics of Rivalon content uh, that introduces item sets with interesting quests, interesting history, and interesting effects. Until, sadly, their numbers also get outclassed by the randomly generated rags that you find in crates and barrels, and at the crate and barrel. He didn't put that last part in, but I did. Uh, Cole was just doing some buzz marketing. Yeah, you know. Send him a cheese... (laughs) <laughs> send coffin. me a cheese yeah yeah cheese coffin um i've not touched or even looked at baldur's gate 3 but i'm hoping that larian leans more on the classic baldur's gate model of gear design instead of original sins uh make me care about the name of my boots the um th- i think this is a a good criticism i think that there is a band-aid patch for this in the game that oh, is yeah? not explained ever you know, okay. which is that you can use uh, the Sorcerer's Sundry's uh, sisters to level things up to your level. Um, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the Fletcher will level up things in his inventory mm. to your level. Nice. So you can, if you, if you have a unique set that you like, uh, you know, you can carry that to the end of the game if you want and make it competitive yeah. by putting in resources. That is definitely a band-aid. I'm not saying that like you know, excuses it as a problem because I agree that like it is a, you know, having to keep up with the gear grind, mm-hmm. um, with every level would be obnoxious. Yeah. Um, and I understand that tactical demands that. Yes. I yeah. Know. The fact that Baldur's um, Gate three is based on, and you know, the actual D and D system makes me think that gear is going to work like gear does in D and D, uh, and not yeah. be as, you know, plus percent damage, um, as, yeah. uh, DOS two is. Definitely. Uh, even though I haven't played a lot of 5th edition, so I'm not sure. Hopefully. Oh, man, that would be such a nightmare to do at the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just like, hey, everybody switch out your stuff. Yeah. This guy is selling out, a, selling a plus 40% frost damage. Yeah. Anyone got a plus 38s? Um, Hannah says via contact. I want to start by saying I love the show. I migrated over from Bonfire's Eye Chat, the best podcast of all time. Oh. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, I'm so happy you're discussing Divinity Original Sin 2 because it is the best role-playing game experience uh, in terms of role-playing that I've experienced in video games. Uh, I came to this game having heard that it was the closest experience to a tabletop RPG you can find in video games, which immediately piqued my interest. Well, in retrospect, I think the person who said that might have been talking about playing as a uh, as the developer designed characters. This story is about my experience creating my own character. One thing I often find difficult in video game uh, RPGs is actually role-playing. While I made sure to temper my expectations with Divinity Original Sin 2, uh, this still needs to be scripted after all, I decided to go in with a fairly specific idea of who my character was, her personality, her motivations, etc. I melded her after Shallon Devar from Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive, if you're familiar. Would the game allow me to really be this character I had in my head and express that in game? Or would it mostly have to be relegated purely to my imagination with no in-game impact? 
Given my somewhat tempered expectations, Divinity Original Sin 2 did not disappoint. Shallon's character fits very well with the scholar and jester tags. These, along with the nuance of the other dialogue options and my own discernment, allow me to express the further nuances of her character in a way that I haven't found possible in any other game that ruled. After 100 hours of gameplay, I'd finally finished, and I do unfortunately have to admit that I felt a bit burnt out on the game before I crossed the finish line. Nevertheless, the first thing I did after credits rolls was rolled was start up a new game. Okay, let's see who else this game lets me be. The tag system is really powerful. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know, I never made, like, a uh, custom character. You know, I just relied on whatever whatever the, you know, the, the pre-made ones came with, which is good because those mm-hmm. are all, you know, very well-developed characters who are integrated with the world and what have you. But even just seeing the uh, dialogue options that were open uh, from having one mm-hmm. tag or the other uh, was really neat. And I could see how that would be, how that would be a good time. Even if you were just rolling a blank slate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just, uh, you know, what it's interesting to think about uh, role-playing games in terms of the, the ability to role-play. Mm-hmm. Uh, in them there's a lot of things that have been been read about that but like you know that was actually that's a topic suggestion that we'll do at some point because somebody threw down the gauntlet it's like hey what what's a role-playing game to find that <laughs> like, if i know because it's gotten so muddy like yeah. you know yes in final fantasy 4 you are cecil mm-hmm. you know so you are playing a role uh but the playing part of it is kind of limited in terms of what you're doing in terms of playing that role right. or control over that role, you know, and then you end up with your, uh, your Bioware is like your mass effects and such where you are playing, you know, a character of a sort, but you're choosing between the three lanes because it still has to be, yeah. you know, programmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, it, it's a, you know, the, the ability to role play in a video game is something that's really interesting. Yeah. And I oftentimes find, you know, a correlation between my favorite games and games that allow, uh, what feels like that, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's down to things like bloodlines, yeah. you know, or Deus Ex, which it's like, it, it does feel like I'm able to, you know, I always play Deus Ex as uh, a pacifist who, once he learns that he's used, takes no prisoners, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that ends up working really well. The game supports it and comments on it. Yeah. You know, uh, so that, that, that is something that Dosta 2 does and something that I also value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, moving on to responses mm-hmm. about Riven. Craig says via contact, Mist and Riven were two of my formative PC gaming experiences as a kid, though I might have been too young for either upon their release. Looking at Riven now as an adult, it's pretty cool how much it diverges from what you might think of a 90s point-and-click adventure game. Riven has all of two puzzles, the Animal Sounds puzzle and the Colored Marbles puzzle, Uh, and the rest of the game is about exploring an unfamiliar world and figuring out its rules. There's a lot of density in that discovery, and I don't blame anyone who bounced off of it. I used a guide to beat it, but it's a big swing uh, that uh, that I think more or less hit its target. How cool is it that you learn Riven's numeric system in a children's school or that you have to trick again using knowledge of prison books that he doesn't know? Uh, and most importantly, how, how, how cool was it uh, that the physical release of the games uh, of the game was a whopping five discs? It's one of the least gamey video games I can remember playing, and I commend Cyan for that. Someday I'll go back and finish Abduction. 
all those things are cool, except that it was released on five discs. Yeah, that sucks, and it's good that that was almost <laughs> immediately fixed with the introduction of DVDs. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's not like, you know, I played Gabriel Light 2 released on many discs. Yes. So, so I know how that is, but just that downtime of switching discs is not something it's that I'm cool willing to that... round into that. <laughs> it's bad, so it's good. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's cool that it probably shipped in a in a sweet box, you know. Yes, <laughs> like I will give you that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a clever conceit, like mm-hmm. one disc per island. Yeah, you know, which would work with if the game was less ambitious, if there was not these overarching puzzles, but if the islands were self contained. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd almost be like uh, like episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would be cool. Yeah, but all those but, other things that you mentioned are very cool. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Brad says via contact, I was 10 and the only computer games at my grandparents' house were a magic school bus adventure and a ribbon. <laughs> they had the five CD set with the individually illustrated disc sleeves and the packed in merch catalog. And there's a, a link here. You can look those things up if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, they hinted at content I wouldn't actually find in the game for years. Since my grandparents lived on the other side of the state, I would go weeks or months between visits to Riven, eventually printing out a universal hint system uh, set of pages to take with me so I could make a little progress each time. It took a lot of patience, but my dad and I solved a surprising amount of the game on our own. I still consider it one of my favorite gaming experiences. Having played every Mist uh, anything now, I still love Riven uh, for its coherence. I love how the small puzzles teach you things that enable you to solve the larger ones, which you eventually combine to solve a major puzzle near the end of the game. Layered puzzles like this are something that I seek out in games now, often finding them in cruel difficulty indie puzzlers like Starseed Pilgrim and A Good Snowman is Hard to Build. I appreciate any recommendations you have games with this property. Uh, anyway, thank you for covering one of my favorite games. I hope you cover Uru someday. Uh, it might be out of suffering material since parts of it are such a slog, but second expansion hides some of the best puzzles in the Mist canon. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Cole? Doing Uru? Um, I mean, for abject suffering, sure. It's easy enough to get would a hold it, of. Would it end up being a, a boring abject suffering where you just kind of explain to me why it's bad and good? <laughs> Probably. And like, like, and like, and I'm just like, this is dumb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I, like oh, this... can I talk about something I saw on a walk? Yeah. Why, why, why would anybody make a game that feels like this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, w- it would probably end up feeling exactly like that. Yeah. Maybe. Um, in terms of, of games that have that building thing, those layered puzzles, that's very common right now. Mm-hmm. Um, taking the constituent parts yeah. and building on them. So like if a good snowman is hard to build counts as this for you, then you would, I'm sure you would also like Baba's you and Steven's sigil. Yeah. Um, which are similar. Yeah. Uh, and kind of vibe. So, yeah, but yeah, that's a neat, that's a neat experience. The idea of just, uh, playing a game every couple of years, you know, or every couple of months. Yeah. Picking at it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Several weeks between my visits to Riven. I'm sure your grandparents yeah. still enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my grandparents, Riven and their taker. <laughs> the know? keeper of the discs. Yeah. The people who own Riven. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, uh, moving on to Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus responses. Sean says via mm-hmm. contact. Sean is the uh, the patron who produced that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really excited that I got the opportunity to sponsor an episode of WAF because I feel like 3D platformers often get short shrift and the Ratchet and Clank series are an example of how to do them well. I chose Into the Nexus because I found it to be a nice bite-sized version of the series as a whole. It's got a lot of cool weapons, my favorites being the Nightmare Box and, of course, Mr. Zircon. Uh, it's got big levels that constantly uh, have you cover new ground and have lots of little secret areas. 
Uh, and it's got the gorgeous visuals and first-rate voice acting. Oh, and a jetpack and hover boots. Playing again this time, it struck me how much the game whittles off uh, most of the extra features that made A Crack in Time a certified epic. Uh, while it doesn't have the larger-scale story or the excellent shipped combat, it trades it for a smaller package that feels like a great entry point for the series. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this, I'd hugely recommend every mainline entry on the series, which I played through again a couple of years ago. It's a shame that the games uh, before the movie tie-in haven't gotten a proper PS4 or PS5 remaster uh, and might be lost once the PS3 library goes offline. I hope y'all covering this will help some people experience it for the first time or just get curious. Uh, as always, I love the show and keep up the good work. Can't wait to sponsor another episode. Thank you for sponsoring that, Sean, and thank you for the response. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like I can imagine a mindset, like I, you know, I can't predict the future and you're a different person every year you know? <laughs> and, and I don't know like whether in the future that will change right now. This is a little lightweight for me Yeah. in yeah. terms of going deep dive. Like I like this as a snack, mm -hmm. but I don't want to eat as much junk food. Yeah. You know, yeah. not in a pejorative way. Like, you know, there's a place for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I could definitely imagine, you know, the same way I imagine a future where I'm like, I'm going to sit down and just play all the spider web software games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's my Avernum year or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's probably, uh, you know, I can also imagine a future in which I'm like, you know what? Let's ratchet and clank it, baby. Yeah. Let's yeah. learn about the space cat <laughs> and all his tragedies. Yeah. Uh, I, I laughed really loud when you said that because you said, I, uh, you know, because my taste change and then you, then you said, and you're a different person every, every year. Like you were oh. speaking specifically <laughs> to me, not to just like yeah. the general, like the Royal you. <laughs> I, I'm gerrymandering you into a Philip K. Dick experience. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a different person every year. Yeah. What? Now you're a different Seinfeld every year. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah, not, yeah. there's limited, uh, value, I think in like trying to guess about the future because, you know, I'm not the yeah. same person I was five years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I could not have predicted mm -hmm. that I ended up where I did. Right. Uh, but yeah, what, what a, what a great, uh, game and what a great pal palette cleanser it was though, mm -hmm. in terms of just placement. Absolutely. Like, that felt great. Yeah. And I was happy to dip back into it. I mean, it had been 15 years since I played the, you know played uh what's it up your arsenal so yeah there's been a lot of advancements yeah uh doug says via contact um Ratchet and clank always brings me back to a childhood memory long before the first game came out i was nine and we were on a long family road trip through the southwest i'm not sure why but for some reason we weren't able to make or stop for a normal breakfast my parents decided that just for one morning we would make do by eating bags of candy we had purchased from one of our previous destinations <laughs> given my normally highly responsible parents this was a rare treat that morning chomping down on gummy worms somewhere in utah or colorado in the back seat has stayed with me playing a ranch and clank game is a lot like that morning there's no <laughs> nutritional value but every so often that's okay I'm sure I'll play the new one when it comes out, even though it's the same junk food I've had many times before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. Well put. There's a place for junk yeah. food, you know? Oh, a a well-balanced diet contains a few candy breakfasts. Yeah. A person who, who denies himself candy is weird. You yeah. Know? If you're not having a candy breakfast three times a week, I, you know, weird flex. <laughs> or if you're not just <laughs> eating something for fun every once in a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that, that's the non-exaggerated version of what I yeah. actually think. <laughs> yeah. Candy, all all yeah. candy breakfasts. <laughs> yeah. And you, you do those on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday's your cheat day where you have double candy. 
And <laughs> it's good to do a weird situation. cheat day where you eat an egg. <laughs> and it's yeah. a weird situation where it's like, okay, you kids finish your Sundays. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I don't even like my Sundays. Um, it's it's funny, like looking at this comment because, uh, and this is not me tragedy porting my life or whatever. Okay, uh, that happened to me a lot. Uh, not for fun reasons. <laughs> Just because where, that's that's the food that was out and available yeah. and ready for you? Yeah, like living living in a hotel for a little while and like my mom buying cinnamon pinwheel swirls. Yeah. Or yeah. like those cookies that have a little fruit in the middle. As the closest <laughs> like a, thing like to Newton? food for breakfast because yeah. she could get it from the vending machine Oof. at the hotel. Yeah. So um yeah. No, I'm not trying to shame dog, like you know, yeah. some people eat candy for breakfast because they're not good. Yeah, you, know, you actually. I'm not, that's not my intent at all. You, I just, just gave me that memory. Doug gave you horrible flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Yeah. And getting older, I'm getting thinner skin about that stuff. It's mm-hmm. not like thinner skin in terms of other people making fun of it, but it's been making me more sad when I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a bummer. Yep. Um, and, and on then- that note. <laughs> well, uh, no, we, we've we've got uh, we got one more here. Uh, this is a trauma center. Well, that second was the joke. Oh, yes. no, no, no. Uh, on on thin skin note, because you can cut through it real easy. What? Sure. Okay. Sure. No, uh, we have a response about trauma center. Um, uh, Sam wrote in uh, via contact saying, "I know this is late, but since Waft didn't get any responses for trauma center, I figured I'd send one in. I was way into the series during the wee days, and you'll be happy to know that the sequels ease up on the difficulty and take a little longer before the sci-fi stuff starts to show up. Also, in Trauma Team, you get to use a Wii remote to pretend you're giving a colonoscopy." <laughs> Hey. Hey. Hey, kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they maybe aren't different enough to do a WAF, to do WAF episodes, but I'd highly recommend New Blood and Trauma Team in general. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. I'm, I've been back on my Will Hughes tip of like games I'm vaguely interested in, but I don't know if I'll ever play. Mm-hmm. Uh, just reading the synopses and shit on TV tropes. Oh, yeah. Um, for some reason I was like, I'm going to learn some of the lore behind the five nights at Freddy's games. Cause I'm never going to play those. But the fact that there's tons of lore is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. And the initial concept is kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, it's like before bed and it's 20 minutes before, like I can't be conscious and like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm deeply gummied or deeply z or what any of the drugs I take to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like this, this seems good. Yeah. I'm going to read about this. No, I, 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 I don't know. That's like a Will Hughes thing. And that's like a me thing. I do that all the time. Yeah. I've never, yeah, maybe you know, I will not done that. It's like in the decade since I've been reading TV trips. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I guess the thing that's new is taking game, like doing it, not just for stuff I already know or oh, things yeah, I like, yeah. but doing it as a substitute for games in a series that I might not play. Right. Right. You know, like Will Hughes is, you know, Will Hughes is underscore trick is to, learn like he re waits for the wikipedia entries for movies to come out for like most mo- new movies gotcha and like wants to know their plot mm-hmm. you know if he's not going to see them yeah whereas like i'm cool not knowing mm-hmm. you know what happens in the melissa mccarthy superhero movie yeah yeah you know um we uh, need to get through the end of this real quick because the derek chauvin announcement is going to be our verdict is going to be announced at 4 30 oh or in uh in six minutes so <laughs> And and look out because when that happens, the arena is going to go down. Um, <laughs> just... let, let's announce uh, we're announcing next month or not next month, June. 
Yes. Um, if you have the things to say about May, which is Hitman 3, Roller Coaster Tycoon Classic, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Mm-hmm. And our games for June are... Yes, the games for June are... We're opening up with a Gary Vanity pick, uh, Hotline Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why I like this game, I want to talk about it for a long time mm-hmm. uh, in a long-form session, and the soundtrack absolutely slaps, and I have it on vinyl. It's very good. It's good. Um, the next one is a patron pick, next mm-hmm. to you. Uh, the next game we're doing after that is The Witness. Yes. Um, solving the the cryptic hints I've said about doing a, another kind of like difficult puzzle game that's very different. Mm-hmm. And what we're we doing um i'm interested in you know as much as i don't like jonathan blow i am mm-hmm. excited to try it yeah uh just putting in it out there uh by no means will that episode be all ex- all inclusive uh i'm not 100 percenting this nope i'll uh, read about by, this i'll read about the big stuff but yeah yeah i'm not 100 percenting it and it's also we're not gonna spend a lot of time talking about like in this puzzle there's dots mm-hmm. you know like we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk it, about it's lots very, of generalities. It's very no. well set up and car- compartmentalized um, mm-hmm. where different areas have like a pronounced gimmick that it like explores very thoroughly. So, yeah. And we're going to talk about that gimmick and not so much how it explores it because right. describing those puzzles on an audio podcast sounds like the most boring thing in the world. It does uh, to me, both <laughs> in terms of doing it and listening to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no interest in that. Yeah. So it's going to be about the experience of playing the witness to the degree that we want to play the witness. Yes. You know, mostly. Uh, um, finally. Which, oh, know, good. Sorry. Uh, when, in which we've, you know, just so it doesn't sound like we're screwing over a patron. Right. Um, we mentioned assignment, like we're going to do yeah. our best and that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally the, uh, the premium episode for June, fuck's sake, June, uh, is mm-hmm. going to be super Mario 3d world. It is off yes. of the Wii U on a system that people actually own. And this game owns, it's really good. It's great. And I'm super excited to, uh, to gush about it. I've been working on my night Mario. I'm playing a few <laughs> levels every night and I love it. Yep. And we're also going to do, uh, for people who are going to ask eventually, we are going to talk a little bit about Bowser's fury. Mm-hmm. We're not going to cover it in detail. Yep. but I'm, I've been poking at it or, you know, I played it actually quite a bit of it. I will beat it mm-hmm. probably just for fun yep. before then. And we, at the very least, we'll talk about it in generalities. Yeah. So it's neat. So if you have thoughts yep. about those write in by June the 15th, again, at duckv.tv slash contact, uh, as always, um, you know, if you have thoughts about multiple games, separate them. Uh, we prefer uh, brief responses about two paragraphs a piece. And we like uh, kind of novel observations as, as opposed to broad reviews. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, you can support us on patreon.com slash TV. Mm-hmm. You can leave a rating or review, um, on Apple podcast or podcast addict or wherever you find reviews mm-hmm. and you can take care of yourself. And we'd like all those things. Please do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's everything. That's it. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, talking about Hitman three mm-hmm. world of assassination wrapped up. Umbasa. Umbasa. <laughs>